This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Hope you had a great Christmas. We had a great couple days off, but it is good to be back on Winnipeg Sports Talk with all of you live on YouTube. And shout out to all the podcast listeners. Lots to get to since uh, we've been off. And unfortunately, the first three-game losing streak of the year for the Winnipeg Jets will be all over it. Dave Poulin from TSN Hockey, who's been um, you know on the panel, I guess, for the last three Jet games, if I'm not mistaken, Going to jump on with us first up, Jeff Hamilton as well. And then we're going to talk to Gordon Miller from Halifax. Of course, Canada playing game number two of the World Junior Hockey Championship this afternoon after a loss in game number one. But Gord also is quite instrumental in the Team Ukraine tour that's coming to Winnipeg on January 9th. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well as how you can support and get out to Watch Team Ukraine and the Manitoba Bisons play in uh, that tour before they go to the World University Games. Um, we'll, we'll get to a little bit of NFL talk as well, I'm sure, at some point coming out of a wild Christmas weekend in the National Football League. Um, I do want to give a big uh, shout-out to everyone, especially Mike Ladarni, who uh, started this off, off hot with a nice super chat. Mike, thank you very much, and best of the season to you. And, of course, a best of the season, and a huge thank you to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and, of course, not Auto Corp, Michael Remus. How are you? Did you enjoy a few days off? What's going on? Yes, Hustler. It was pretty nice. And nice to have a day yesterday where it wasn't like freezing cold out, where you were actually able to go outside and maybe do some outdoor activities. But it was good to have a couple days off spent with family, visiting with friends. Um, I loved having NFL on Saturday and Sunday because the the hockey was off. We had World Juniors, too. So definitely a lot uh, going on. Uh, but I think it was the break came at a great time here for the Jets with that rough schedule and you know, I was kind of sad we weren't on Friday because we all knew Ovechkin was 100% getting the record against the Jets on Friday. I mean, it was a foregone conclusion, and we talked about that heading into the game. Yeah, well, no, we were on Friday, but we guess we weren't on Saturday We didn't Saturday get to talk about Sunday. it after. Yeah. I, I just wanted to be like, oh, I was man. happy we weren't because that was the last thing I wanted to talk about at that point. And, you know, listen, the Jets, just to quickly tail off the end of last week, um, you know, really we're we're running on fumes going into the holidays and you know they finished five games in seven days starting on one coast ending on the other uh and even the three days off for christmas which i think was very important and much needed for the club um you know it's tough to it's tough to mask everything that's happening with this hockey team right now and it's certainly not through any lack of effort but um with the injuries piling up and what this team's been through, you knew this was going to be a really adverse time for the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, how they handle that going into these next couple games to finish off 2022 in the early point of January, I think is going to be very pivotal into what sort of a position the Winnipeg Jets are as we get into February and March. Um, but certainly, thankfully, They've done a great job of stacking up wins in the uh, first part of the season right now because, Remo, as we've talked about, 
Um, man, they are up against it right now. And uh, we saw a bunch of different looks last night, including completely stacking the top line with Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kyle Connor, and Mike Sh Mark Scheifele on the wing. Um, but this is the first time all year where we've been talking about three straight losses, and it's not getting any easier as the Vancouver Canucks are red hot right now, been winning hockey games, and the Edmonton Oilers on the docket before we flip the calendar to 2023 in the beginning of January. Yeah, the injuries, they're certainly starting to pile up. You know, you were without Ehlers for a while, weathered that storm. Blake Wheeler, sorry, like Appleton and Menelainen go out. You have other guys like Isumont uh, step up. And then Blake Wheeler uh, out for a month with his groin surgery. And Cole Perfetti's banged up for, you know, a week or to 10 days. We'll wait and see how that one goes. So when you're missing, you know, five regulars from your opening day lineup, especially guys who play in the top six who are counted on to score goals, uh, you're in a tough spot, and I, I know I don't mind that they loaded up the top line. They need to score. I think Mark Shafley was kind of having a had a rough go, um, you know, Thursday and Friday last week with Perfetti and Bullman and um, you know Friday's game where he was kind of on an island there. So you know, put them in, try and score. Dubois did score a beauty goal, but you know they weren't able to shut down uh, Minnesota, who put up a couple and. And I agree, as thankfully, the Jets banked all these points early on. This is going to come in handy. You look at the standings. Uh, there they are, 43 points, uh, you know, just behind Dallas, who I think is pretty good. Um, Minnesota's catching up. Colorado, uh, they're, they're not quite healthy. McKinnon's still injured, and I think Nakushkin actually re-aggravated his injury, so they're still banged up. But So you ha you're in a good spot. You can definitely afford to, I don't want to say afford to lose a couple, because that's never good. but um it, well that it, just happened it just happened you just, you just lost three but you're still in second so uh hopefully this they can stop the slide vancouver coming in tomorrow edmonton uh saturday so two big canadian matchups coming up yeah oh and the one thing is i mean i think colorado and uh and the minnesota wild both right there at winning percentage with the uh, with the winnipeg jets so um, you know, this is survival, I think, is the key word right now. I mean, trying to just continue to keep their heads above water, power through and try and, you know, get a few points. And, you know, listen, as far as last night's game goes, we can get to that right away, Remo. Uh, I like the effort from the Winnipeg Jets, although and we'll hear from this from uh, the coach in a minute. I mean, there was a real lack of and again, I'm not sure whether this is because of the lines that the Jets were using. But there were times where the Jets' forecheck didn't seem to be as effective as it has been in the past. And I'll give the Minnesota Wild credit. They sort of rolled through the neutral zone at times without much problem doing so. Um, overall, though, I thought the Jets played well, and they battled back. I mean, that was a really tough uh, tough start. As I said, listen, Connor Hellebuck um, gets a lot of slack, as he should. He's earned it. Uh, but those first two goals, um, I'm sure kept him up at night. I mean, neither of them probably goes in 98 or 99 times out of a hundred. And yet there they were down to nothing right after Adam Lowry with his signature move on a shorthanded breakaway, put it between the wickets of Philip Gustafson and just guided the puck a little too far left. So it hit the post and went out. You know, Rick Bonus talked about this, and again, we'll get to it in a minute, but the Jets, um, their ability to, uh, they don't have a lot of room for error right now with the guys that are out of the lineup right now. And, you know, 
those grade A chances you got to bury and you certainly got to keep the ones out that went in last night. And other than that, I mean, to me, that was the real difference in the hockey game, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I agree with you. And and I agree with Bones. I mean, you said margin forever. You're not going to get as many chances as you're used to getting with so many guys out of the lineup. So, you know, Adam Lowry goes in on a breakaway. You got to score. Kyle Connors, uh, you know, got an open net. You got to put it on. And they didn't capitalize on their chances. Minnesota did. And, and you know, I think he Hellebuck would probably like that second one back for sure. You don't see too many on Hellebuck, Huss, um, that, you know, hit him or squeak through his arm and his body and go in. Usually if he can see it on a shot like that one, um, he is able to stop it. And it didn't happen yesterday. And uh, the Jets are at 21-13-1. And a um, bit of a, you know, they... You kind of saw this happening at the end of last week with that schedule I don't schedule and the injuries. I know we're talking about excuses, but when you're missing the number of guys that they are, it's certainly tough. And uh, you know, pull up the January schedule here as you got Cal, you know, you got the, all the Canadian teams, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Tampa on the sixth, Vancouver. Again, thankfully you're home for a bit and you can uh, recover uh, from what we had, but uh, it's... This schedule in January has it's like every second night for the whole month. And again, another another grinder and someone's going to have to step up and put some pucks in the net. Well, it'll be a hell of a lot easier to handle that if they can get a little bit of, uh, you know, some of the reinforcements back. It was a different look last night, as we mentioned, piling up that top line. A little bit different today in practice, and we'll get to that in, uh, in, in a few minutes. By the way, I'm already seeing people talk about it in chat. Yes, there will be. Another qualifying race today and another one tomorrow. Two more chances to get in for the final of the Marbles Tournament of Champions brought to you by our friends at Consolidated Supply. So make sure to be with us after Gordon Miller joins us. It'll be in and around 245. We'll open it up. And uh, again, if you haven't been able to qualify yet, you also have time to go to winnipegsportstalk.com slash marbles. And register there. We'll be pulling three more names. And I guess maybe we'll announce those tomorrow on the program so people know. So there you go. Last call to get in on the auxiliary way to qualify on the website. But today and tomorrow, two more marble races, three more marbles each day going in for the big one on Friday afternoon. Um, so, you know, before we get to today's practice, why don't we hear a little bit of what Rick Bonus had to say after the game and discuss it? Because, um, you know, listen, he and his coaching staff are trying a lot of different things right now. I think they've really been forced into it. Um, but one of the things that I know they don't want to change is their pressure in the neutral zone. And that was something that last night that wasn't there at the normal level we've come to expect from the Winnipeg Jets. And this is what Bones had to say on uh, their lack of controlling the neutral zone. I would say it's like a, a few other things. The details are off a little bit. It's not as strong as it once was, but I think that kind of goes into our whole five-on-five five right now. It's not as strong as it was. Our attention to detail is not there. Um, yeah. And so, so with so many new bodies in the lineup, can that be chalked up to be, you know, one of the major things behind the issue, or is that a scapegoating? Uh, yeah, that's a scapegoat. They know what they know what we're supposed to be doing. So, all right. So there's uh, Rick Bonus, and listen. I think that there's a lot of pride that Rick has in his team and the way that they are gutting these games out. 
Um, but obviously it becomes problematic when you're losing these hockey games. And they have said this, and he's said it if you've listened to it. I mean, there's a no excuses mentality of this hockey club. Maybe some fans will have some, but I mean, it doesn't do the team any benefit to feel sorry for themselves. And I don't think they have been. What will help them is to find a way to win a hockey game on Thursday night against the uh, against the Vancouver Canucks. Um, but Bones talked about, you know, in the situation that they're in, if their game has to evolve at all. Here's what he had to say on that topic. It's not, yeah, it's, if you watch them, first of all, like, are dumping so many times their goal to get out of the net and stop it. So if we have to dump it in, we're not putting it in where we can get it back. Second, they were just getting it and they'll play flipping it out like they weren't spending a whole lot of time in their zone. If they didn't have a play, their wingers just flew out. Um, it goes back to putting the puck in where they have to, where they have to, we have to take away their time to do those things. So it goes back to our details of putting it in, making it harder for them to do that. But that's really all they were doing, getting it, flipping it out, slamming it around the boards. So if they were able to do that because they got the lead. And if if so, if we had the lead, they're not they're you know they're going to try to they're going to have to do a different game plan. They got that two nothing lead, and and they were able to do those things. So the onus goes back on us is to make not make it that easy for them to to do those things and sit on it. All right, there's uh, bones on a little bit more on last night's game. And Remo, as we talked about it right off the bat, I mean. You know, those two goals that got in on Hellebach, the missed opportunity for Adam Lowry after having the goaltender beat, put the Jets in, you know, a situation where they were chasing the game. And to Rick Bonus's point, I mean, Minnesota and Dean Epson's club pretty much handled things from there on in, knowing that they didn't have to play to score. They just needed to do their best to defend a team that essentially was a one-line hockey club with all due respect, I mean, when you talk about the real elite scorers on the Winnipeg Jets, they knew what they had to do. And listen, I thought we saw a lot of really dynamic things from Shifley along with Connor and Dubois last night. And there were some good performances as well. I mean, the Axel Johnson fialby line was everywhere last night. But, you know, you just don't have that finish. And it seemed to be the Minnesota Wild pretty much knew exactly what they needed to do in the second half of the hockey game to basically walk out with two points, which was the ultimate goal, right? Goals have been hard to come by here in the last three games. Um, This is where the injuries have started to crop up for them following the Wheeler injury against Boston, two goals, Uh, Washington Friday, one goal. And last night, only the one goal. I do want to give a shout out to the Janssen, Fialbi, Stanland, Kuhlman line. Uh, They played almost 11 minutes together, 10-54 at five on five, 16 shot attempts for... Uh, only two against uh, 10 of those shots went on net uh, for them. So, I mean, they played extremely well in the other team's end, wasn't able to score. And eventually some of these guys are going to have to find a way, but that's why, you know, Connor Dubois and Shafley, um, those guys are, those guys are your scorers and the other guys, you know, they got to contribute as well. But I do want to give a special, although they did mix up the lines today and we are planning on uh, reading those out. Uh, shortly. Yeah, we'll touch those in a minute, but first off, let's talk about that, top line and first we'll hear from Rick Bonus on um I guess the thought process in putting Shifley along with Connor and Dubois and what he saw from that group last night. Well they generated, you know, I so they got the goal. But you know, we're not gonna you gotta score more than one goal clearly. Um 
so their goalie made some timely saves for them. There's no question about that. But we didn't. I still think we're passing them way too many chances to shoot the puck uh, on the net. Um, which so it just goes back to our details and a little more urgency and the fact that we fell behind two nothing that hurt us and if we had tied it up and could have got another goal that would have helped us but clearly we didn't all right so there's rick bonus uh, no excuses although he did say he wouldn't mind that top line shooting a little bit more and I mean, Reem, for my money, Dubois had the beautiful goal last night, just an absolute bull rush to the net, as very few in the National Hockey League can do like he can. Kyle Connor missed a wide-open net on a bizarre play, Josh Morrissey putting it off the bumper on the absolutely perfect angle that he probably scores nine times out of ten. And Mark Shifley had some glorious opportunities that just didn't go in last night. I mean... I'll say this, if the team is down a goal in a third period and a big game going forward, I wouldn't at all be surprised to see that group go back together because they were very dangerous. Unfortunately, they just didn't have the results to show for it. And Rick Bonus would like maybe a few more shots on goal to up their chances of making that happen. Someone said to me on Twitter yesterday before the game, like, what do you think of them stacking the one line, I mean, is it make him too, you know, susceptible to, you know, to shut that line down and, hey, you shut the rest. And I was like, look, they're very injured. Um, they need to find a way to score goals. They haven't scored any. And I think they needed to stack the top line, generate some offense, and you hope the other guys can hold the fort. Uh, it's disappointing that you had one of your, you know, lower lines. I think it was the Gagne, Iceman, Gustafson line. Yeah, they were on for a goal against at five on five. And look, the... The Janssen Friabi line solid. The Connor Dubois line solid. But goal again, goals hard to come by. I don't mind stacking it. Um, they did go away from that today, but I mean, Connor Dubois have been struggling to find, um, you know, find a winger to play with since the Ehlers injury. Uh, Mark Shafley, you know, throw him a bone, put it, give him some skilled players to play with us, so he can, you know, try and generate something. Or you know, the puck didn't go in, but they played a solid game. And here, I'll throw it to the poll. I'll throw it to the chat if. Um, they're a fan of uh, stacking the top line with those two guys. They're in a tough spot, Huss. Uh, I think, you know, they they got to find a way to get some goals, and they went with that yesterday. Well, you know what? That's a great segue. I mean, a little why not question of the day, but, I mean, how do you feel in the current situation for the Winnipeg Jets? Are you in favor of putting seemingly all your eggs in one basket and having that really top-end line with Shifley playing with Dubois and Connor, or... Do you think the Winnipeg Jets are better off kind of sharing the wealth, if you will, and splitting those players up? Let us know in the chat right now. Um, there was one other controversial moment at the end of the game, and, you know, it got quiet a little bit just because the Wilds were sort of squeezing the life out of the uh, out of the crowd with the, the way they were handling their lead. Um, but there was quite a vociferous refuse suck chant late in the third period when Kyle Connor got sliced open on a high stick that was missed. Um, we'll talk about this in a second. First, let's hear what Bones had to say about that high stick from Kyle Connor that was inexplicably not called. It wasn't peon stick at all. It was there. It was their stick. Clearly, I just looked at it. It was their stick. Now, are they calling that peon stick is under theirs? I don't know what they're calling, but it was clearly. I mean, it, he made it look like it was our stick, but it wasn't our stick. I just looked at it. It was their stick that clipped us. 
yeah, not surprising that Bones wasn't too pleased with that one, Reem. And again, you know, you're down by two goals, but there was like four, three and a half minutes left. And with the amount of blood on Kyle Connor's face, no doubt that that would have been a double minor. And I mean, unfortunate from the Jets standpoint that they didn't get the opportunity that they should have had at that point to make a difference late in the game where they needed a break and somewhat got it, but it wasn't rewarded by the refs. It's really, you know, I'm not saying this is why the Jets lost or anything. I mean, they're already down. You know, maybe they come back and score. But it is extremely disappointing when you watch a game and the obvious rules aren't called the way they should be. And we talked about this on Thursday, and here's the picture. Pierre-Luc Dubois gets a high stick under the visor. That should be called. It doesn't matter, um, you know, the circumstances or if, you know, maybe snapped his head back a little. Um, and then you had... Yesterday, Kyle Connor gets a stick in the face. I see some people saying, oh, Pionk lifted, steel stick. You still have to have control of your stick. There's nothing in the rules that says, hey, if your stick gets lifted by the opponent, uh, it's not a penalty. You can high stick whoever you want in the face. Yeah, it's, re- it's really disappointing when these rules aren't called and you feel like the game is. We had already watched a ref game against Boston. It was pretty clear they were letting everything go. And again, there was that Dubois high stick. These are the easy ones. Blood on face, four minute penalty, should be automatic. And I think you just get disappointed. Like, what are you supposed to do when blatant penalties aren't getting called? And I think it's it's it's, re- it's just disappointing to me and, and almost kind of sad that that's mm. not I mean, the guy had his hand up and then took it down. Like, when does that ever happen? It was bizarre. It yeah. was bizarre, and listen, I'm not usually a guy that is a big fan of the ref you suck chant, I hate the but... ref you suck. It's an ECW chant. It's, <laughs> it's, it's terrible chant. I think it sucks. That being said, I totally understood why yeah. it was loud and proud last night. There was a lot of bang or a lot of angry Here. fans last night, and I'm sure a few people on the bench, including Coach Rick Bonus as well, when that was somehow overlooked at such a crucial point in the game. Harold, like he had a cut on his face. Here, look. Look at this. Oh, wait, let me put it up right here. Yeah. I mean, he's got a huge gash. That's two, that's four minutes. Call it. Or someone do so, like call something. Like you just want the rules to be called the way that they're supposed to be. And when they're yeah. not, you're just like, I don't know. It's, it's annoying. It's disappointing. Oh, no, that, yeah, super frustrating. I thought, and again, I actually thought not- that they should have came out and, and he bonus should have taken the fine yesterday. And said, this is getting ridiculous because they got high-sticked on Thursday and it's screwing your team. <clears throat> Let them know. I mean, take the fine. I don't know. I think they should have They should have been heated. Now, it wasn't, they got more problems to deal with, like all the injuries and not being able to score goals. But I thought someone should have gone out and called them enough of this. Like, I can't comment on that. Someone's got to say something here. I Listen, I think that would have been, uh, that would have been welcomed by the fan base. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I think Rick Bonus is... Uh, a guy that doesn't want to maybe spend the goodwill he has with officials. But listen, if he has any, it's not working right now because they sure as hell aren't getting the benefits of the doubt from some of the referees. And that was one of the more inexplicable moments we've seen of a non-call at any point this season, especially if you can watch, if you're with us on YouTube, looking at what happened to Kyle Connor's face after that stick, which was clearly bleeding after what happened. Um, listen, we'll get to what these lines are. Here's just one more from yesterday, though. Remo, let's go with number five. Uh, Bones looking ahead to these next couple games as we get into the new year and what he's hoping his team can do to improve to give them a better chance to get out of this next one at home with two points. 
Um, the details and the urgency of what we're doing things have got to improve. That's why we're down to nothing. Um, so the urgency has to be there right away. The details have to be there right away. They can't get better as the game goes on. Our, our margin of error right now is slim, and it is, and that's we have to live with that reality, which is fine. But the, the solution is to make sure the details were, were ready to start games at a high, very high urgency level, and we're ready to pay attention to details. Some of our details are face-offs. We're not even close to doing what we're supposed to do. So those things, those things come back to haunt you when things aren't going your way and when your margin of error is so small right now. So we can, we can improve on those things. Yeah, Bones breaking it down, and you know we kind of said that earlier. There is a very, very small margin of error for this team. You got to make the most of the chances that you do get, um, and you certainly can't be giving out. Um, you know, some goals that probably shouldn't be goals to your opposition. And you know, that was part of getting down to nothing last night. Although I thought Hellebuck really stepped up the rest of the way. Uh, but Reem, let's talk about what things look like down at Canada Life Center today. Because Rick Bonus changing things up a little bit. I wasn't sure whether they were going to stay with that top line because of how good they were. Just the fact that they need to find offense in another way. But Sam Gagne is going to get the call back up to... You want to call it the top line with Dubois and Kyle Connor right now. And a very different look from Mark Shifley. Carson Kuhlman back on the wing. And Adam Lowry, who has been a mainstay at the center position, moving from center to the wing of Mark Shifley on line number two. Uh, Morgan Barron moves in with Steny and Axel Janssen Fialbi. And we mentioned, I thought Axel in particular had a really strong game last night. And then a fourth line of Gus with Mikey Asimont and Jansen Harkins right now. I mean, to me, the most interesting part of that, of course, is line number two with Shifley, Carson Kuhlman, and Adam Lowry on the wing. They're banking on the Gagne 1,000 Bampas. Stuck on 999 games. There'll be 1,000 Thursday. You know, it's worked with him uh, for, you know, for bursts with Connor and Dubois. Put him there. I mean, the Shifley-Kuhlman line, I mean, not... I mean, Lowry's solid, you know, two-way player. Uh, I mean, Kuhlman's a big body, but he, I mean, they just picked him up off waivers, so I think Shifley's kind of in a tough spot here with those two. Um, I'll try it out, see how it goes. You know, Vancouver, they don't have great defense. I think you're going to have an easier time scoring goals on them than you did against Minnesota and who in Washington. You just played in Boston as well. So maybe you feel like you're not feeling the pressure to stack the line here. And, you know, Edmonton's coming up too. They just gave up a ton of shots to Calgary, and I don't think their defense or team defense is, is that strong too. So, um, sure, you know, I think they're counting on the Gagne 1000 bump. And I was watching Kennedy Rayner, they said, uh, what, they got the bump from Wheeler's 1000 and the Stasny 1000. I think it creates a positive atmosphere around the team celebrating a guy. I know Gagne hasn't been here that long, but he seems to be a light guy in the dressing room. And I wonder if they're going to have any nice, like, t shirts and, Stuff that I'll wrap in because they had oh, so much. Yeah. They had so much fun with the stag. That was the one fun days that they had last year when Stasny <laughs> one thousand or yeah, it was Stasny one thousand, right? I'm mixing yeah. up my and Wheeler was uh, the one before. Yeah, either that or earlier in the uh, earlier in the year. They were both were somewhat recent. Um, yeah. No, you're exactly right. Um, and as I said, we'll, we'll ask Dave Poulin about this. One other guy I'm going to ask Dave Poulin about is Neil Pionk. 
And I know there was probably some consternation that Villahanal was out and Kyle Capobianco was back in. Rick Bonus said pretty clearly he wants to give both of these guys an opportunity to play. And Villahanal had the last couple games. And I think it was also because of the team that they were playing in the Minnesota Wild. I can't help but think, you know, if they're going to pick their spots for Hanala against a big physical team like the Minnesota Wilds, probably towards the bottom of that list. That being said, it was Neil Pionk last night, and I don't know whether this was Marat or somebody else on Twitter that recently uh, described his game as just full of chaos. But it really has been the case for the better part of this season, and really last year as well, dating back to the WWE event against Spezza and the Maple Leafs in late December, uh, which of course knocked him out with a concussion. But man, sometimes Neil Pionk's decision-making really leaves a lot to be desired. And he was very aggressive. And maybe this is part of what the coaches want from some of their defensemen. And I think Josh Morrissey's just been able to handle it in a far more well-rounded way and frankly just has been better this year. But man, when Pionk decides to make that uber-aggressive pinch, gets beat by Matt Zuccarello, and then essentially when it comes down to a puck battle, gets absolutely worked by Zuccarello. You know, it creates a two-on-one, and, you know, credit to Zuccarello. I mean, that was an absolutely world-class pass uh, that Connor Hellebuck had no chance on on the back door. Um, but again, going back to this small room for error, I mean, the decision-making needs, first and foremost, needs to be there because if you're making poor decisions and you're opening up the door for teams like the Minnesota Wild to burn you, it'll happen. And that's exactly what happened last night. And I really think that that third goal was really the backbreaker for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, they had got back to 2-1. They were playing well. They were getting some shots on net. The minute it got to a two-goal game in the building, you could feel it just seemed like, okay, now this hill is even steeper, and it's going to be very tough for the Jets to get to the top by the end of the 60 minutes. Yeah, I agree that Piog's had a bit of a... He hasn't really gotten back to that way that he was uh, when he first came over from the trade. But I do want to say one thing about that goal. Um, you know, it's a two-on-one. Capobianco, you know, goes on the ice for a swim and tries to block the shot. Look, I'm not an NHL defenseman, Huss, but I'm not going to blame Capobianco because a lot of guys do this. I don't understand why these guys go down to, uh, you know, to block these uh, passes. They just skate around you or pass it under. So many times uh, you've seen that, and I've, I don't know if that gets talked about enough. I always watch. I'm like, why are you going down? Stay in the middle. Keep your stick in the lane. And again, I'm some guy in my basement here talking about hockey. I'm not an NHL NHL defenseman, but I just see guys get burned on that so much. But I, again, he's a put in a tough spot. Cap, uh, Pion goes for the pinch, you know, in the neutral zone, misses it, and then it's a two-on-one. So you're kind of in no man's land. But I'm not, I'm not a fan of when defensemen lay down on the ice like that. I don't think it's a plus EV play. That's expected well, value. You know, I... Listen, at times, mm -hmm. the way it happens, and the, the Winnipeg Jets in particular, the way they have done that, hasn't been very good. I'll actually defend Capo Bianco on that play because I thought his position was good, and he actually got on the ice. I mean, the pass that Zuccarello made was literally perfect. I mean, it was the yeah. ultimate sauce pass. Like, a lot of times when this is blown up, I mean, I think of Logan Stanley a couple times going down in that position before... I mean, he just didn't get low enough that he was actually on the ice and they were able to slide it right through. That's not good. Yesterday, I mean, I think they did just about everything he could do to force the shot on Connor Hellebuck 
and Zuccarello just made an all-world play onto the uh, the stick of, I believe it was Gaudreau, who tapped it in. Um, so, but that being said, this play starts with that decision that Neil Pionk made and losing the puck battle with Zuccarello. And, um, you know, I know we talk a lot about, you know, kind of picking apart some of the other players. And certainly we spend a lot of time focusing in on whoever that sixth defenseman is. And, you know, their mistakes are magnified at times. Um, you know, if Neil Pionk's going to continue playing these huge minutes for the Winnipeg Jets in excess of 20, um, you know, he's a guy that definitely is going to need to step up a, a little bit more than we have seen so far this season. Um, all right. So we've got these lines in. We'll talk about this with Jeff Hamilton coming up. We're also going to get to uh, Dave Poulin coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, before we do that, uh, do have to give a big thanks to our friends over Consolidated Supply. The Marbles Tournament of Champions continues. Two more qualifying races today and tomorrow. And then the grand finale on Friday afternoon, everybody. Do not miss it. We will finish off 2022 giving away a pair of bomber season tickets courtesy of Consolidated Supply to the lucky winner of all of our qualifiers in Friday's race. And again, 245 today, another chance for you to qualify. Check out everything Consolidated Supply has going on at their great brand new relaunched website at cte.ca. And they'll be reopening at 1395 Niaqua Road East on January 3rd after the holiday break. Um, we're not taking a break, though, with the Unsung Hero program. And certainly at this time of year, maybe more so than uh, any of the year, people are doing great work in our community charity-wise and also just quietly going about making their community a better place. We want to hear about them, folks. Um, if you can, if you haven't already, send us an email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com and tell us about the person in your life, in your community that's going above and beyond. We had the uh, the great story of Peter and Paulette and all they're doing, uh, you know, in their community with the food kitchen as well as, you know, with uh, with animals last month. We'll be letting you know about the December winter coming up next month, early in January. However, uh, the winner's going to get the uh, the person that we nominate is going to get an autographed jersey from Josh Morrissey, and uh, we'll also have a five hundred dollar donation from Wallace and Wallace to the Dream Factory, which will be matched by Josh and Margot Morrissey. So get those nominations in, folks. The unsung hero in your community. Email us unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. And hey, with uh, the new year just around the corner. Probably looking to maybe live a little bit healthier, get off to a great start for 2023. Well, that should include a trip to Vita Health Fresh Market for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And of course, when you're shopping at Vita Health, you're supporting a great local company, family owned and operated since 1936, with Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. And hey, get ready for New Year's Eve with healthier snack options, drink mixes, non alcoholic beverages, and more. Of course, Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. And hey, if you're making a New Year's resolution, make a New Year's resolution to not have the battery go in your car. And the easiest way to do that is to pop on down to Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue 
and make sure that you are good to go for the meat of the winter in 2023. Donnie and the gang will give you a free test to <clears throat> test your battery, make sure it's good to go. And if you do need one, you'll be able to get it at the lowest price in town. And hey, if you already know that you need a battery, don't even waste the gas money. Give them a phone call or hit them up online and save time and money by getting a great price on a battery that'll be delivered to you same day if you let them know by 3 p.m. It really is that simple to save time and money and make sure you're getting from point A to point B all winter long with Manitoba Battery. Again, 1026 Logan Avenue, and you can make an appointment or online order your battery at manitobabattery.com. Happy New Year to Donnie and his great staff. Uh, all right, Gordon Miller, a little bit later on, on both the World Juniors and the Ukraine Bison game that's coming here. Uh, he's very involved with it. Fascinating story behind how it all came together. And Jeff Hamilton's going to jump on with us in about 20. But first off, who better to get back at it talking Jets than the man that's been on the TSN panel, I believe, for the last three nights, Dave Poulin. Dave Poulin joins us now on WST. Pooley, happy holidays. How was your uh, How was your Christmas? It was good, Andrew. Happy holidays to you and to everyone in Winnipeg. And everyone's looking forward to a terrific 2023. Uh, it was good. It was quiet. It was stormy. I'm a little bit north of Toronto and had uh, quite a blanket um, to the point where there were drifts that I couldn't see over at the back patio doors. So, yeah, it's it's pretty open and... We got we got hemmed in pretty good. I'm surprised, quite frankly, that there were only a couple of NHL games canceled on that 23rd because it was a busy night, and you know the couple that were canceled. Uh, I guess Buffalo had been canceled in Ottawa as well. So I think the NHL was quite fortunate to got through what they got through. Wow, what those people in Buffalo have gone through over the last little while. I mean, it's just, I mean, listen, we're in Winnipeg. We've seen snow. We've seen cold. But, my God, they it's just one after another right now. We thought it was a big deal when the Bills had to go play in Detroit three weeks ago. That was just scratching the surface of what's going on there. Did you see the Bills digging their cars out? How oh. people had come and shoveled the front end of the cars? That was amazing. <laughs> amazing. Oh, well, Dave, uh, of course, we've been talking lots of Jets around here. And, uh, man, we've had a lot to talk about because, I mean, the schedule that this team had and has had in December, I mean, five games and seven nights heading into the break and then right back out. Um, first three games losing streak. And I guess in some ways, I mean, this was almost bound to happen considering what's happening with the roster. I mean, You've been doing these games. What have you seen from the Jets over the course of Boston, Washington, and now last night's uh, loss at home to the Minnesota Wild? Well, number one, through that phase, they've played some very good hockey. Um, they've played good teams. And, you know, starting on the East Coast before Christmas, uh, played well in those games. But the line the line in the NHL generally on a night-to-night -night basis is very fine. There's a lot of good teams. And you have to execute. You have to take care of details in order to win hockey games. When you take away the quality and quantity of players that the Jets are playing without, that line just gets finer and finer to the point where you can't make a mistake. And it's a hard way to play, and particularly offensively, because in order to be creative offensively, there has to be, you know, some coaches call it the fun zone, whatever, in the offensive zone. But if you look at the game last night and you start at 0-0, and Lowry makes a great move on a shorthanded situation. 
I mean, maybe because he's angry that he didn't score, he pounds Gaudreau in the neutral zone. <laughs> and it comes back, and Spurgeon gets a goal, an unlikely goal for a defenseman late in the power play in the crease. So there's, you know, essentially being a shorthanded guy, in my mind, that's a two-goal swing. And going into the game, you'd say there's two guys in that team that can't beat you. And they're wearing number 36 and number 97, Zuccarello and Kaprizov. And they team up on the second goal. And it happens right after the first one. So now you're in a 2 nothing hole. And, and then I thought started to play very well. And Dubois gets the goal. And then the same situation, you're on a power play, you have a chance to make it 2-2. Zuccarello steps out of the box and makes an all-world pass. And, and so that's the final I did. Because for a lot of that game, the Jets played fine. Had chances. Um, I think Minnesota is getting some pleasantly, pleasantly unexpected, really high-end goaltending from young Philip Gustafson. Um, you know, they make the Talbot trade, and Philip Gustafson back up flurry, and he's been terrific. But they're a hard team to play against on any night. When you're without as many regulars as you are in Winnipeg right now, they're a really hard team to play against. Now, I say that. I think I've seen Minnesota five times this year, Andrew. And, and I've done color at least three of those times and, and been in between the benches to see them play. And, and when you're between the benches, you get a different feel for the way a team plays. There is no space out there when you're playing against that team. This is by design, um, by Bill Guerin and Dean Evison's design. And they're a team that's playing without $13.5 million on the cap for another two years with the removal of, of Ryan Suter and Zach Breezy. So by design, they've become a very hard team to play against. And, and that's what the Winnipeg Jets ran into last night, a team that's hard to play against. Their two stars created two goals. Uh, they got a power play goal, so they were one for one on the power play. You didn't take penalties against them and yet couldn't execute in your two power plays. And you say, well, well, you know, we played pretty well. And you could say the same things in Boston and in Washington. Well, I mean, you talk about the money off the cap in Minnesota. I mean, the Jets, I mean, are now so depleted. It just seems that it's one after the other. And that precipitated Rick Bonus loading up that top line with Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kyle Connor, and Mark Scheifele, which obviously made them pretty top-heavy when it came to their top scorers. Um, but certainly, I thought that line generated quite a bit, and we saw just a beautiful um, goal by Dubois taking the the uh, the puck to the net. What did you think about that line? And but also, Dave, what does that do to the rest of the roster, as depleted as it is, when you load up the top line as Rick Bonus did last night? I think it's necessary right now, Andrew. I really do, and I, I don't think I, I think that was something that was thought about. Probably. You know, it might be not as far back as when Ehlers was hurt, but clearly when Wheeler went down and then Perfetti went down and you'd said, okay, we have to, we have to give ourselves a chance to win. And you're fourth in the league in goals against. So that's a strength. So play to your strength. You're going to prevent the other team from scoring. And, and even last night, I mean, they got three goals, um, an empty netter. They got three goals just over, you know, what the Jets, you know, that, that's what you want to do is hold it, but you have to create more offense. So I like the move, and it puts everybody in a little better place. And, you know, let's face it. I mean, Morgan Barron is not a first-line player in the National Hockey League. He gets a shot there. Uh, Mike Eastabout, I guess, is even a better option because he's created offense at the American Hockey League level in college. Um, but he's not a true first-line player. 
And so you put together three guys that can create offense, and they did create offense last night. They could have had three or four goals. Connor had a great chance off the backboard and wasn't able to convert it. And so in looking at that, I like it. Um, to really realize what it is to play without four top nine players is what they're playing without right now. You have to look at the fact that when they're healthy, so put the healthy line back together. Assume Morgan Barron is going to play left wing with Lowry and Appleton. And your fourth line has eight options. And of those eight options, some of them played on the first line, second line, third line. You know, what are you going to do as a team? There's eight guys that are going to be vying for three spots on this hockey club. And, you know, I've been impressed with what Kevin Stanley's done. You know, where does he go with David Gustafson at center? You know, on the right side, you've got Santa Gagne, you've got Kuhlman. Um, one more on the right side would be, oh, Jansen Harkins can play either side. Jansen um, Fialbi is interesting to me. And Milanen might be the best one of the group. And then you've got Esteban. So it's going to be, I'm trying to give you the blessing at the end of the curse <laughs> and say, you know, you get to pick three of those guys to be as effective a fourth line as may exist in the National Hockey League. You know, that being said, the uh, the guys last night, well, when Rick Bonus after the game said that he didn't like the, some of the details of their game. And, you know, just, Dave, from sitting in the building last night, one of the things that sort of stood out in last night's game, as opposed to when the Jets are at their best playing the Rick Bonus system, is that the forecheck wasn't as much there. And to be honest, <clears throat> excuse me, the Minnesota Wild were able to make it through the neutral zone without a lot of trouble last night. I mean, did you see the same thing? And where does that come from? Some of that is from not playing together as a group. Some of that is not trusting and knowing what the other guy is doing. And, you know, you, you talk about set lines, and I know lines don't say set for as long, but um, probably a pretty good idea when Wheeler's on the ice with Shifley that each other knows what they're going to do in the neutral zone. And if Kyle Connor's on the left side there or Perfetti, so I think there's a familiarity there that gets hurt when you have as much movement as you have right now. And that comes in the structure and the trust level of your teammate that they're going to do what you need them to do. And there's a little bit, you admire someone wanting to do too much, but it's a fall down as well, because if you try and do too much, you're not doing what you should be doing. And so I think that's part of it. It's just the trust that you have as a line mate, because there's not familiarity with the line. You know, Dave, when I look back to last night's first period, I mean, you mentioned that play Adam Lowry made. I mean, he did his, like, that's his move. He does it every time when he comes in on a breakaway. He scores most of the times. And it was just the angle of that puck after beating the goaltender that went wide. And then the next thing you know, one's going in on Connor Hellebuck that he would like to have back that often doesn't really go. And when I think about last night's game, as much as some of the details that Rick Bonus mentioned, you know, you've got two goals in the first period that Connor Hellebuck doesn't normally let in. So that's a negative for the Jets. And then between Lowry, that open net that Kyle Connor had, um, you know, a couple of those. I mean, that in a lot of ways was the difference. The one thing, though, and Rick Bonus said this, and I completely agree, when you're depleted the way the Jets are right now, 
it's such a fine line and and they really have to make the most of those opportunities and not give any freebies and unfortunately it was sort of the convergence of both of those happening the wrong way for the Winnipeg Jets that put them in the hole that they were trying to climb out of for the majority of the second two periods the three periods if you think about it if you really are consciously thinking about how fine that line is it's tough to play You've got to more think about the details and do what you do. And so you've got to clear your mind of how fine the line is. As hard as it is to say that, that's what you have to do. And you have to tell the guys, look, we need you to be who you are and what you are. And that includes details. It includes the fine line of of doing what you do best. But, you know, that's every night in the NHL. Like, you watch teams and you watch games and, and... you know, you, you look at a score, and I go down the right side. So the way my TV is set up is uh, down the right side are the games, and I can flip, boom, boom, boom. And I've got a couple different setups. And so you'll see a close game, and you'll flip to it, and you'll watch, and it's like, wow, you know, and, and I did catch um, the early part, in the, and, and then I went back and watched the end of uh, after uh, the Jets. I went back and watched Ottawa and Boston. Same thing in that game. I mean, that's how close, and that's the best team in the NHL against a team who's know 10 points out of a playoff spot and the margin for error is negligible but if you think about that margin and it's magnified in your hands like it's what you're looking at and so you've got to get past that Dave I want to ask you about Neil Pionk he has become I mean listen there's been some ups and downs he's had some great offensive moments and I think he's really bought into Rick Bonus's more aggressive style but at the same time there certainly has been some chaos in their own end and you know, Minnesota's third goal was a direct result of a decision that Neil Pionk made and then just simply getting beaten for the puck by Zuccarello. I mean, you've seen a lot of this Jets team so far. What do you make of where Pionk is at right now and what he's delivering for the Jets on the blue line? Um, that That's a tough play with Zuccarello. I mean, he, he's a little thief with that stick. I mean, <laughs> we were involved with him when he was still in Norway. And David Nonis was our assistant GM. and He loved Matt Zuccarello. And, you know, and we were in the final running when he went to the Rangers. And, and the first thing Davey told me, he said, you got to see this kid. His stick is twice as long as he is. And, and he's a little thief because of it. You don't think the stick is coming as long as it's coming. It's a really hard tool to play with. But he manages to manipulate it as well as anyone does uh, a stick of that length. And that's what happened with Dion. But, I mean, I think it's a, an effective pair because you've got a compliment to him and Brendan Dillon. I like the pair, but physically he's going to get in some matchups where I think because he likes physical play, he sometimes over engages physically. And the play with Jordan Greenway, when he got popped in the nose um, on that play, which should have been, it's an aggressive play by Greenway. It could have easily been an elbowing penalty because he may have cracked his, uh, his nose with that elbow. But he is willing to engage physically, but sometimes it's not wise just because the other guy is 220 or 225 pounds. So sometimes that gets him in a challenging spot. And when he could use his feet and his smarts a little bit more, because he's willing physically, he puts himself in a tough spot physically. Uh, Dave, one of the other things that was a hot topic after the game with folks in and around the arena was um, the lack of a high sticking call on that one that cut up Kyle Connor. Um, 
thought thoughts on why that wasn't called? I mean, was this? Uh, I mean, it wasn't friendly fire. Was that what the referees thought? Um, I could have been impactful. I mean, again, the Jets were in a hole, but I mean, that's a double minor with like three and a half minutes left in the game. I mean, a perfect opportunity to get right back in it if it is called. Well, I don't miss call. I mean, there was one. I watched the end of the Toronto game as well in St. Louis, and there was one uh, a St. Louis high stick on a Toronto player that was. I don't miss. So I saw two of them within minutes of each other, um, but there was no, there's no other explanation for it. Um, and they can call that a four-minute minor and then change it to a two. So they've got that safety guard, and it has to be called. It has to be. And particularly when a player has the puck, sometimes, you know, uh, if the player has just left the area, there'll be an errant high stick, and you could see a referee missing that. But when a player is skating with the puck, you know, I mean, they're human. They make mistakes. That should have been called. And that was a gash, too. That wasn't just oh. a... You know, I mean, sometimes you'll see guys trying to rub a little bit of blood off their lip, you know, to try and get a four-minute call. Man, that was a gash. And as a guy who speaks to scars very well, um, that was going to take a little artistry to get that cleaned up afterwards. All right. Dave Poulin's with us from the, the TSN Hockey Panel discussing the latest on the Winnipeg Jets. So... The Jets find themselves with some adversity like they haven't seen all year long. Not only the injuries piling up, but some losses as well. Home game against the Vancouver Canucks and then a New Year's Eve trip to Edmonton to take on the Oilers, Dave. I know you've seen a lot of these two teams, but what do you make of the resurgence of Vancouver with those big comebacks heading into Christmas? And the Oilers, who somehow won last night 2-1 to one on the back of 46 saves from Stuart Skinner, but were absolutely dominated in the shot clock by the Calgary Flames. They certainly were, and, and one of the beat writers for Edmonton posted after the second period that it was the quietest and off off game that he'd seen from Connor McDavid in a long time, which inevitably comes out and scores the winning goal, because <laughs> uh, that's what great players do. Um, but, you know, you want to finish the year on a high note, and, and when I had talked about streaking, probably I probably talked about it on the show earlier in the year, the pride of the Winnipeg Jets was that they hadn't lost two games in a row, let alone three in a row. So you've got to, you've got to stem it. You've got Vancouver coming in, which if anyone has an explanation for the Vancouver Canucks, you just don't. I mean, you know, they, they're the best player right now, doesn't have a contract. They made a long-term commitment to a different player, JT Miller. Um, you know, their captain's without a contract right now and playing lights-out hockey. Uh, they've got some very good players up front. I think you've got to attack their defense and, and, and you've got to attack their goaltending situation. But you've got to be up on your toes and be aggressive. And you can't, you, you can't, you, you've got to take care of business in these next two games. You want to go into the new year on a winning note. And, and really you're trying to, as crazy as it sounds, you're trying to survive but amass points at the same time. And that was the idea of putting the big line together. You save the other three lines, you play even. There's a great chance our big line is going to win their matchup. Well, and that'll be a big topic going into a Thursday night as the Jets try to break this skid with the Vancouver Canucks at home. Dave Poulin's with us. Pooley, can't have you on between Christmas and New Year's without quickly hitting on the World Juniors. Um, bit of a wake-up call for Canada. I mean, the, they've never lost at home in the first round of the first game of the preliminary round. And a lot of talk about the um, 
well, shall we say the the showmanship of Team Canada, but not doing the things to make uh, you know that win your hockey games. I mean, how did you see the opening uh, loss to the Czechs? It's a veteran Czech team, first of all. The uniqueness of the way the World Juniors has been the last couple of years have enabled guys to play in multiple tournaments with the summer tournament. Um, that's a good team. They look like they look like a cagey NHL veteran team, if you can say that about a bunch of 19-year-olds. But I think 18 or 19 of them are back. So that's number one. And, you know, in Canada, question whether they've taken the team lightly. Listen, everybody's been telling these kids, well, first of all, individually they've been telling them how good they are. And then when you get the collective group together, the number of first-round draft picks, the number of high-pedigree kids, three NHL players, you know, all of the above, of course they're going to go in with high expectations of themselves. Is that underestimating the opponent? Well, it might be. I don't have a problem with the two, the two Michigan, uh, the wraparound goals attempts at all. And those kids are so skilled. And the, the skill level it's hard to look at on a relative basis. They think that's the best chance for them to score. Uh, Brady Kachuk had a chance in the first period last night that a few years ago you'd said, that was a hot dog move. He tried to go through his leg. Now you realize it was literally the only way he would get a shot off. And he's that skilled that he can try and do it at that point. And so I don't have a problem with that. The problem, I think, when they talk about playing as individuals, they're the best individuals wherever they work. And they're used to taking over games at their level. Connor Bedard can take over a junior game. He's capable of doing that. And, and it's an admirable quality. And a quality, when people ask me about where to place their son, should he play up a year? Should he play up two years? He's better than everybody else. And one of the answers I tell them is that to be the best, you've got to learn to be the big fish in a small pond. And the very best in the world are used to taking over games. Well, when you get a whole bunch of kids together that are all the best at the various teams and levels they play at, and then you get down by a couple goals to a team that you're supposed to be better than, it's, it's the, the, pr- the pride in them says, I'm taking this game over. Connor Bernard says, I'm going to do something special. You know, Adam Fentilli says, I'm going to do something special. It, it doesn't work. It simply doesn't. And they'll get through it. Um, they'll figure that out. It wasn't that on an individual play they tried something that would be considered a hot dog move. Um, it was that they all tried to do it as individuals rather than to look over and say, okay, I'm going to run a give and go here. I'm going to use the other people on the ice more effectively. So I think that's the case more than anything. And just on, on a relative um, skill level conversation, I was thinking back to, to a guy we traded for. It was my second year in the league. And I'd had a pretty good year offensively my, my first year in the NHL. And we traded for a veteran player. I don't know if you remember the player or not. He was a Minnesota player named Timmy Young. Remember that guy? Timmy Vaguely. Young. Okay. So he put up a gazillion points in junior in the mid-70s. And, and he came close to a 100-point year early in his NHL career. So he was winding down. And I think it was his last season we traded for him. And he said to me one day, hey, uh, kid, Drop that toe drag thing you're, you're working on. And, and I was just doing it individually in practice. <laughs> over to the side of the ice. And I said, well, I, I, you know, I'm just trying to work on my hands. He goes, yeah, kid, that's not your game. 
you skate, you skate by people. Don't try that toe drag. So he was considering that a toe drag was a fancy move, <laughs> not a Michigan move around the net. And I never forgot that. I always laugh because anytime I do think that I would consider high skill, I'd think of Timmy Young and I'd say, man, I was told, stay in your lane. Well, you know what? It's funny you bring that up because it does seem like there might be a few Timmy Young types on Team Canada because we did hear from some of the more veteran players on the club to quote, we're not going to Michigan our way to the finals. Uh, I am interested in what happens, particularly those two younger stud players in Fantilli and Bedard, considering the way everything transpired in game number one and how much attention was given those two attempts to score um, as part of the bigger picture of Team Canada losing that first game. Yeah, I think I think it's it's such a unique move and it attracts so much attention. Uh, that's what it is. But if you know, if I'm Connor Bernard talking to Dylan Gunther, I say score a goal the regular way then. Like <laughs> you're in this too. You're a first round draft, but you played in the NHL. You're gonna tell me we're not gonna Michigan our way to it. Uh, I, I'm trying to score a goal there. You know, you score a goal the way you score a goal. So I think that was a little bit harsh to me um, to throw it out there like that, but they'll work through it. Dennis Williams will work through it. You know, that's a conversation. If I'm Bedard, I'm having that conversation with Dylan Gunther and saying, look, I'm trying to score a goal there. I'm looking at an opportunity. That's, I think that's a realistic way for me to score a goal. By the way, I've got, I've got a whole bunch of them this year. So, uh, you know, but they'll work through that. Well, it is great to have the tournament back. Great to see the way it's supported. I mean, I know there was a lot of questions about what this tournament would be like considering the last year plus and everything going around in Hockey Canada. And for us here in Winnipeg, maybe the best part of it, Dave, is we get to see our old buddy Dennis Bayak behind a microphone again. Fun again? No question. As soon as you hear that voice, you just light up. Uh, one, of, one of my favorites to work with as well. I was fortunate enough to work with Dennis. It's great to have him be a part of the international hockey scene. And, and, you know, I was kind of removed from that tournament for a number of years. I spent 30 plus years in the U.S. And it wasn't until I went back to Notre Dame in 95. And then I had to start dealing with the fact that I was going to lose players. It was a real issue at first, Adam, because of when the tournament is, because we had final exams that would fall somewhere in the 10th to the you know 16th or 17th, 18th of December. And I had professors that said, well, of course he can't leave to go to a hockey tournament. Like, what? final exams and you know in your major and we really had to work through some things with some professors to even break kids away and make them eligible to go to that tournament so that was but it wasn't until i came back um, to the nhl in 2009 and my first one would have been in regina uh, 2009 2010 and the first time i saw the magnitude of it and by the way Moncton and Halifax, perfect host, great size of rinks. I love that size of the junior rink. I know they tried to go big with, with Montreal and Toronto, but if I run in that tournament, I want that in a, you know, in an eight, 10,000 seat rink and, and totally sold out and in, in the right market. I think those are perfect markets for that tournament. No, you're exactly right. That is what the World Juniors is all about. And it got... Um... I don't want to say they got too big for their riches, but uh, they certainly, um, the attractiveness of the 20,000 seat buildings being sold at NHL prices was quite attractive. And you, know, you don't want to be the guys that killed the goose that laid the golden egg. That being said, it's a great start to the tournament in the stands. We'll see how their team Canada can get in the win column in game number two. Dave, 
Thank you for everything in 2022. Happy New Year, my friend, and we'll look forward to doing this again soon in 2023. All the best. Have a great start to the new year. Looking forward to it, Andrew. All right, great stuff with our guy, Dave Poole, and always love having Dave on the program with us. Uh, Jeff Hamilton is coming up in just a second. Uh, first up, though, hey, it's Boxing Week, folks. And, man, there are some great deals from some of our sponsors right now, including over at Royal or at F Apparel. Um, pop down and see them, 190 Smith Street downtown, or you can do your shopping online at fapparel.com. That's E-P-H, apparel. All custom clothing, suits, dress shirts, etc. 20% off all week. Off-the-rack items, including sweaters, polos, and whatnot, are 30% off. And guys, all accessories, ties, tie bars, socks, pocket squares, 50% off right now. The sale runs in store up until New Year's Eve. So get on those amazing Boxing Week deals over at F Apparel. Uh, and I'll tell you what, speaking of Boxing Week sales, you know Royal Sports is stepping up with some big, big savings right now. Amongst the great deals right now at Royal at 750 Pembina Highway, Under Armour Apparel, everything, 50% off. Doc Martens, the boots, 50% off. Dickies, 25% off. Vans T-shirts, 50% off. Brooks Runners, 25% off. Levi's jeans, 50% off. All Billabong streetwear, 25% off. And Volcom streetwear, 25% off. If you're looking for some great savings on both the Royal and the King skate, snow, and surf side, it's happening right now at the massive Boxing Week blowout over at Royal Sports. And hey, tomorrow, got a great, well, an interesting, I should say, Thursday night. I'm not sure how great it'll be considering what Tennessee's been lately. Um, but of course, the Jets and Vancouver Canucks as well. And no better place to get together with the gang around the holidays than your local Boston pizza. Actually went there and obviously great spot to watch the World Juniors as well with another game coming up for Canada at 5.30. I cannot endorse the jalapeno popper dip enough. We had it the other day watching the Canada game. It was absolutely delightful. There's some other great ads to the uh, holiday menu, including the carbonara pizza and the mac and cheeseburger. All waiting for your local Boston pizza. And hey, if it's too cold, you don't want to go out, you can always get the great taste of BP by simply ordering on Skip or at bostonpizza.com. All right, Gordon Miller a little bit later on. We will have another marble race, but uh, let, let's welcome in. Let's welcome in Jeff Hamilton. And I knew the minute I referenced Skip, Michael Remus is going to be singing the Katy Perry song for 20 minutes behind the scenes right Somebody now. Somebody say <laughs> Skip. What's, what's going on, uh, Hammer? How are you? How was your Christmas? Yeah, things are good, Huss. Uh, good to be on. Christmas was good. I, As I mentioned to you off, off screen, I, I kind of got hit with the I don't know the cold bug or whatever it was for for a couple of days, but I'm I feel like I'm on the on the on the other side of it and and feeling pretty good. I got I'm off until the 14th until I get back for that Jets five gamer. So don't have a lot to complain and certainly looking forward to to our weekly chat. Yeah, now um, it is great to have you back, and I knew it was going to be touch and go with. Listen, there was a lot of things that were touch and go. Travel was touch and go. Will the Winnipeg Jets be able to ice a full lineup at times has seemingly been touch and go. You were in Boston and Washington. Um, well, listen, you were there. I mean, Phyllis, in, uh, the Boston game was a game that was eminently winnable. I mean, a really bad break sort of got Boston in. And then I thought 
they really flexed and showed why they've been the number one team in the league all year in the second half of that game. Um, what did you make of the uh, end to that trip, that final game seemingly running on fumes, five and seven, going into the Christmas break in D.C.? Yeah, you know, well, just even just to touch on the Boston one, I mean, I agree with you, obviously, in a, a terrific start. But if you looked at the Boston Bruins or knew anything about them this season, they're, 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 they were a league best. They've probably improved on that uh, since then. But they were a league best uh, plus 54 goal differential, and half of that plus 27 was in the third period. Uh, so you knew you knew the Bruins weren't going to go away anytime soon, and you knew it was trouble when they tied it up in the second period. Anyways, moving on to Washington, you know what? I mean, getting getting off that plane in Washington, I, I had this feeling. I was like, it's been OV watch for a week now. You'd gone four games without scoring a goal. You knew that was gonna um, you knew that was gonna change sooner than later, and you just couldn't help but feeling like it was the ideal setting. Uh, against the Winnipeg Jets team that was not only on back-to-backs, but as you mentioned, just depleted uh, in the injury department, playing David Riddick, who I thought played okay in that game. I mean, I think he probably would have wanted that that first goal back from Ovechkin, but overall, I just thought, uh, you know, the Jets just ran out of gas. They ran out of gas, and they ran out of, I don't want to say talent, because I don't want to, you know, you know, be, you know, be a bit of a jerk to, to the, the guys that did fill in. But if you looked at their roster, I mean, five of their 12 forwards at one point in this season had been, been on waivers, either picked up from the Winnipeg Jets or placed on waivers by the Winnipeg Jets. And so I think that pretty much sums up, um, you know, where, where they're at with injuries. And that doesn't even include a blue line that's also, you know, gone through its fair share with Nate Schmidt and, and Logan Stanley currently out of the lineup. So, uh, you know, what? I think it was predictable in a lot of ways. I think there were certainly, you know, it was an up climb for them against Washington in their building. I mean, Washington did play the night before too and did have a handful of guys that were out as well. I don't think we can ignore that. Nicholas Backstrom, TJ Oshie, Tom Wilson, to name a few. Uh, so it wasn't like they weren't out notable names, but you just felt like, you know, especially after that deflating loss against the Bruins, that those injuries were were going to catch up to them. And and as we saw against Washington and again last night against the Minnesota Wild, I mean, this team is in, you know, this seems in pretty big trouble as far as as far as getting bodies back. And and you know, look at the lineup. I mean, the lineup's been loaded on a top line. I think some people were joking about going to the bonus style of three checking lines and one scoring line. And sure enough, that's exactly what they did against Minnesota. So I, I you know, it's. They're going to have to get through this. They're, you know, I, I think they're holding the right attitude. They're not using it as an excuse. They're not, um, you know, obviously they're feeling it, but uh, they're going to have to push through it. This happens in the NHL and not just to the Winnipeg Jets. And lucky for them, they're in a pretty good position in the standings to, to try to wade through this issue here. Well, exactly right. I mean, those big, those wins that they stacked up, you know, through October and November and early December, very important right now because, I mean, I'm not sure they'll touch wood. I mean, hopefully they won't be going through more adversity than they are right now with the amount of guys out of the lineup. Um, and then combined with how much hockey they were playing, it was sort of all happening at the worst possible time. Um, I, listen, I know we talked off air. I mean, I was nervous about that game last night from a Jets perspective as well. I mean, just considering where they're at and the fact that the Wild have been so good late, uh, as of late. I mean, if you haven't been paying attention to Minnesota, they've been mm-hmm. on a real, real upward swing over the course of the month of December. And um, and I was, I'll be honest, considering what the Jets were up against, I was really impressed with the way they played last night. Um, listen, it didn't go well early for Hellebuck. And, you know, normally those two aren't going in. Adam Lowry missing that glorious opportunity after Stone Cold beating the goalie with his signature move on the breakaway, and Kyle Connor missing a wide open net. Um, 
which doesn't happen very often, putting it into Philip Gustafson. I mean, if those things happen a little differently, or even just if Lowry buries that one and it starts off one nothing, we could be talking about a different game. But that's that's the 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 danger you get in falling behind a team like the Minnesota Wild. Um, they really were more than comfortable just to basically focus on the Shifley, uh, Dubois, Ehlers, or uh, Connor line, um, and flip the puck out. I mean, there were some good performances. Remo ran off this shot uh, total for the Stenland line last night, which was really impressive. But it was just pretty clear that once 55, 80, and 81 were on the ice, the Winnipeg Jets just weren't that dangerous a team when it came to uh, lighting the lamp behind Gustafson, who played very well. Yeah, and Adam Lowry has just been handcuffed the last few games. I don't know if it was Boston or Washington, another quality opportunity shorthanded that could have, you know, could have changed the the look of the game or or at least tilted the momentum back towards the Jets. And you know, I think you have to go to what uh, Rick Bonus said after yesterday's game. I mean, with with the injuries that this team is going through and and the lineup in which they need to ice now against their opponents, the margin for error is extremely slim. So you're, you know, you need to bury your opportunities, particularly those ones you just mentioned with, uh, you know, where, where there's, where they're wide open nets and nine times out of 10, that is going in. I mean, that like, you know, the, the, the jets don't have that margin, don't have a large margin for error. And so they need to take full advantage of the opportunities. And, you know, you also look at that lineup and I mean, I think it's the right way, to, you know, I think it was the right thing to do. I think you needed to put, you know, a top line out there playing together, generating some offense. Because I think in reality, if you hadn't done that prior to the game and, and and it looks a lot like the way it did last night, you're probably putting that line together to try to catch up. So, um, but it just, at, at the same time, having the lineup that they have, it just makes it easier for road teams, even though they don't get last change, uh, to match lines, to play against, you know, to put a certain line up on, um, you know, on the top line and then roll, you know, their other lines against what would definitely be deemed lesser competition in a lot of ways, just given with just given, you know, the players that are in the lineup for Winnipeg. So, uh, you know, I think it's it, it will be interesting, too. I mean, this isn't going to be fixed in the next week or two. I mean, I think Sacramento Linen, who, you know, no offense to him, he's having an absolute he, he was having a terrific season uh, prior to injuring his shoulder was a key component on that penalty kill and was was definitely, you know, living up to his his expectations on, on that third line. But I mean, if he's the, if he's the closest to returning, I mean, that's, that's trouble for this team. And, you know, I, it gets at this point, I mean, you're, they're not treading water because they're still, you know, their record still indicates that they're a good team and in a good position in the, in the standings, but that's three losses in a row. Um, and this is really the first bit of adversity. I'm not saying this team hasn't gone through stuff. I mean, the injuries alone, our adversity to go through, but they haven't gone through, you know, the adversity that, that comes with losing. It's been, it's been a lot of winning for this team, a lot of consecutive winning. Even if they don't have a big win streak, like a five or six game, or they, they weren't losing uh, two games in a row. And so now that you, now that you're, now that you have three losses in a row, you've lost your last three road games. Um, this mm-hmm. is where I think the, the, the test is, you know, we're, we're all, we've been hearing about the bonus effect and all, and the culture change and all those things. I think this is this team's biggest test right now is to get through that, get healthy and then get back on track. But, um, you know, how quickly that will, that will happen. Um, we'll have to wait and see, but you know, what we've seen over the last few games, it doesn't seem like it's, uh, it's going to be an easy task. No, there's definitely no doubt about that. And it's not going to be easy. And winning isn't easy at the best of times, but especially when you're in the situation the Jets are in, it is compounded. And I mean, these next couple of games are going to be fascinating. I and mean, we've got a Vancouver Canucks team that has been up and down like a yo-yo this season. Um, 
But right now, they're on a real high. I mean, they've won. They had, what, scored a half a dozen last night. They had those two big comeback wins heading into the break. And all of a sudden, find themselves above 500 and Mm -hmm. pushing to get into the mix. And a team like the Winnipeg Jets is exactly the sort of team that the Vancouver Canucks need to beat if they're going to be in that conversation for it. And then the Edmonton Oilers on New Year's Eve. And I don't know what to expect from Edmonton. I mean, they found ways to win games. I mean, last night they got outshot 47-22 by Calgary. And Stewie Skins drops a 46-save performance. I mean, outshot 24-4 in the third period and still got the win. Um, But, I mean, bringing it back to Winnipeg, and to your point, Jeff, they need to find a way to get things done within that locker room because I don't think help is coming on the way in the form of a trade anytime soon. And to your point, I mean, listen, Saku Menelain, if he can come back in, that'll be great. But, I mean, that's not completely flipping the fortunes of the Winnipeg Jets just by him walking in the door. And players like Ehlers, players like Blake Wheeler in particular, um, are a little bit further down the way. And, I mean, I think it would be nice for the Jets to see those players in mid-January if they're able to. I mean, I know Rick Bonus said seven to ten days, or oh, Perfetti as well. Um, he could certainly be a, be a nice addition because as of right now, I mean, the minute you get Perfetti out of the mix, Jeff, you'd sort of had these two pairs of Connor and Dubois, Shifley and Perfetti, while these other guys were out. Um, well, I mean, to the point, today, Mark Shifley was skating on a line with Carson Kuhlman again and Adam Lowry moving up from center to the wing. And it just goes to show that the coaching staff, led by Rick Bonus, is really trying to find every possible solution to um, the depleted arms that they've got going into battle. Well, looking at that lineup right there, Huss, I mean, you can't say they're not pulling out all the stops. I mean, yeah. that's just that's they're trying a, things. That's quite a bit of juggling. We all know how important Adam Lowry has been to the stability of that third line. To move him to the wing on arguably the top line is a is a very interesting move, um, and one I think Adam Lowry could do well at. I just would be curious on what you know. What does that make Stenlin the, the the third line centerman? I haven't looked at the lines today, but. Um, yeah, well, he was the third line center last night because right. Gustafson so, like, was the fourth line, fourth line center. Yeah, and then yeah, it was Gustafson was the winger. So th- there's been a lot of movement, um, you know, over the last bit, and there's going to be a lot of movement. And um, I think this is, you know, I, if I had to put a silver lining to all this, you know, this is the real, like, especially under the the, the Rick bonus structure, right? This is a real opportunity for guys. Um, you know, like Sam Gagne, for instance. It wasn't that long ago that we were talking about Sam Gagne and whether or not he could get back into the lineup when he got moved uh, moved out temporarily. Now, he's played well over the last, you know, few weeks, but the reality is, is this is an opportunity for the Coolmans, for, you know, any, you know, Gustafson, for that for that matter. Uh, you know, Sam Gagne, people who, people who need to make a case for themselves later in the year, this is your opportunity. And while talent reigns supreme in this league, there's absolutely no doubt about it. Heart can go a long way, and if you if this team can, if these you know unsung heroes, if you will, can can lay claim, um, you know, to these positions in in the lineup and and do you know, I don't want to say do their best, but obviously do their best and and play well, it could bode well for the Jets down the stretch for when they do get their players back, when they are healthier, when they go through more inevitable injuries, um, maybe not to this c- current clip. Uh, but injuries nonetheless. So I think that's, if you're a Jets fan, I think that's what you kind of need to take away as perhaps some of the positives here. But you also got to get back in the win column because as, as important and as crucial as those points have and have been and were 
you know, early into the season, you can fall out, you can go on a pretty decent run the other way and, and lose a lot of that ground. And, you know, especially as we look at teams who had, you know, maybe uncharacteristically slow starts, they're going to start catching up and the games are going to get more competitive and more intense. So, um, you know, it is an interesting time here. There, there probably is some, some safety net in, in the return of like a Saku and a, and a Cole Perfetti in the next whatever week, 10 days, two weeks maybe. Um, but I'd be very interested to see what happens with Nikolai Ehlers because at this point, you know, I don't think he's a slam dunk to just come back and, you know, be all gravy by by third week of January, by mid-January. I think he's going to be – I think the Winnipeg Jets are viewing him as, is he going to be able to come back at all? Um, and, and how might that affect what they do at the trade deadline? How might that affect – what they do, you know, moving forward, because look, that injury, while pretty straightforward, as far as it's, it's, it's repair and, and what it is, um, it's not an easy, an easy rehab. It's not one of those things where you can just come back and, and play full throttle. You need to push it. There's several tests that go along with that. And, and one of the worst things you can do is come back too early. And even if it's, even if it's by a week, you know, and, and, and then, and then ultimately risk rupturing, you know, the surgery wound and, and whatnot, and then kind of going back to square one, because anyone who's had a hernia surgery, whether it's sports or inherent, um, you know, that's the key thing to the rehab is making sure that that, that you know, those stitching and, and whatnot inside is is fully healed. And for a guy like Nikolai Ehlers, who is, you know, relies heavily on his speed and skating and, and shiftiness, um, you know, that's not going to be, uh, you know, that's not going to be an easy c- comeback. So, um, but I mean, I think the Jets, you know, just even going back to the original point, like the Jets have done enough early on in the season to go through these growing pains. And I think with this adversity, if they can get somehow stronger from it mm-hmm. and more prepared and more battle tested in some of their depth positions, mm-hmm. we could be viewing this in a you know weeks, months time as maybe not as bad as what it currently looks. You know, Jeff, I want to take a look at the blue line for a minute. You know, often we've, we're talking about whoever that sixth defenseman is. Is it Dylan Sandberg? Was it Logan Stanley? When's Lee Hanley getting an opportunity? Capobianco got back in last night. But I'm interested in your perspective on the season and Neil Pionk. Um, you know, certainly early on, uh, you know, scored a few big goals, seemed to really embrace the opportunities for the defenseman to jump into the play and to be more aggressive um, but at the same time, I mean, in his own end, I mean, it has been uh, a struggle at times. And, you know, last night, I mean, I don't mean to single him out, but, I mean, a poor choice on that challenge of Zuccarello, losing that puck battle after, you know, he did jump up, creating a two-on-one. And, listen, I kind of thought Capobianco did everything that he could to prevent that from happening, but that was just an absolutely world-class play. But, listen, Zuccarello doesn't have the opportunity to do it if there was maybe a better decision and execution on Pionk. But this is a conversation we've sort of been having on and off about Pionk dating back to last season. He had that great start. There was the incident in Toronto or against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And since then, he seemed like a different player. Where are you at from what we've seen from Neil Pionk just this season? Yeah, I mean, I think with Neil Pionk, um, there's two things that stick out uh, for me about his game, talking to scouts. And to be clear, you know, it's interesting about this season, and you ask about it, Huss, because I think there have been some, you know, whether you want to call them growing pains or, you know, whatever, um, setbacks or, or, or whatnot, and, and what maybe what people are used to seeing him play or the clip he's used to, used to playing. But the scouts I talk to in-house and out, out, of, this, out of this market like Neil Pionk a lot. Um, 
you know, so there's certainly is still a, you know, whether that reflects in his, you know, underlying numbers or, or actual, you know, eye test here. And certainly what we saw in, you know, last night's game is, I wouldn't say is regular occurrence, but it's definitely more regular than, again, what we've been used to. Um, but the two things that stick out for me with Neil Pionk and always have was his ability to score points. I mean, he brought an element of offense to the defense before Rick Bonus set their, the blue liners free, right? I mean, he was a guy that was manning the, you know, the number one power play for a while. Um, certainly had that part of his game. If anything, his defensive game was lacking uh, coming over from New York. Um, I think it's certainly improved. Um, but the second thing is his physicality. And this guy used to lay the boom down quite often. He used to, you know, tee up guys, much like Josh Morrissey used to do. Um, not saying they don't do it anymore, but Neil Pionk doesn't do it nearly as much um, since that time, against uh, since that game against Toronto, where he got, you know, it seemed like he got his bell rung. And so, like, I, you know, I think with with injuries come, uh, you know, reluctance to 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 add that to your game. Um, you know, maybe there's a reluctance to go all out. Maybe there's a fear that, you know, hits aren't always 50-50, even if they look that way or they seem to benefit one side over the other. But um, we definitely haven't seen that physical element to, to Neil Pionk's game as much as we're used to. Um, and then the points. He has one goal in his last 10 games and three points in his last 20. So if he's not, you know, he's no longer on the first, you know, first unit power play with Josh Morrissey taking that spot. Um, but he has got opportunity on the man advantage and hasn't converted. And he hasn't exactly been, you know, the, the, the example of guys joining the rush. I mean, this is just purely anecdotal, but the feeling I have is Brendan Dillon gets up into the action more than I see a Neil Pionk. Certainly some other guys like Josh Morrissey and Nate Schmidt um, have done it. And um, maybe we just, again, maybe, maybe the expectations for a guy like Neil Pionk who has those offensive gifts are just higher. And therefore when you don't see him, do it as often or when you see somebody else do it more, it becomes a little bit of a, well, why isn't Neil Pionk doing that? Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, ask his teammates, ask his coaches. They like what they've seen from him this year. I mean, not to suggest they don't have a biased opinion of their teammate. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I think he's a, he's a quality guy. Um, you know, much players have down stretches off seasons, if you will. I don't think we can, we can, well, we obviously can't, certainly can't say that about, about Neil Pionk right now. We haven't played even half a season. So the, the good news is, is whatever might be ailing him or whatever might be an issue, whether he's playing with, you know, whether he's playing with something, he's still attending morning skates. So it's not like he's got this nagging injury that we all know about. Um, maybe there is something there that's not being disclosed. But anyway, my point is, is the good news is, is there's plenty of season here for, not just Neil Pionk for a couple guys to to turn things around and make what might be a, a, a relatively slow start, even for a good team and a good playoff or right, in a good position in the standings uh, to improve on, because this team is going to need to get everything and more um, from the guys. All the expectations from every guy is going to have to be reached and then exceeded likely to get through, to get through this stretch here over the next few weeks. Yeah. I mean, listen, it comes down to a couple things. I mean, uh, decision-making certainly is one of it. And I guess a big part of that, it comes down to puck management. And at times, you know, Pionk, who, you know, certainly early on in his time here in Winnipeg, I think was one of the most reliable defensemen when it comes to that just hasn't been the case. And, you know, hopefully he can uh, uh, get back to a good place and continue helping this team win hockey games. Uh, it sounds like they're going to have to make a call up um, at some point over the next few days. 
It's got to be Jeff Mallott, right? I mean, he's been on an absolute tear through the month of uh, December, goal-scoring-wise. And in a lot of ways, this sort of reminds me of what Jansen Harkins did before he came up and played so well, returning to the Winnipeg Jet lineup. Yeah, I don't think you can make an argument against him. I mean, and, and it helps that he obviously has uh, he obviously has experience with the Jets. Not a ton, but people know him. I mean, um, he's got that ability to score, obviously, is what we've seen. He's got, what, 20 points now in 25 games with the Like, moves? he's a guy I could see them, Jeff, actually giving him a Like, listen, if you're in the situation you're in right now and you're looking for a guy, you don't want to put Connor Dubois-Shifley together on a line – He's a guy that I think in spot duty could maybe go up into one of those top two lines and potentially, you know, be a guy that could help you, you know, light the lamp behind an opposition goaltender. Long term, I'm not sure whether he skates well enough to be there, but I mean, if you're still fooling around with putting a Carson Kuhlman up there or even Sam Gagne, and I think Gagne is the obvious choice, especially for game 1000 tomorrow. I mean, to me, Malat might be an opportunity, might be an option very similarly to where they put Kuhlman in when they got him off waivers from the Seattle Kraken, at least for the time being. Well, yeah, I was just going to say it, and no offense to Carson Kuhlman, but if you're going to pick a pluck a guy off waivers, <laughs> not even really introduce him to your systems and then put him on your top line for four straight games, I mean, why can't you take Jeff Mallott and put him there? I mean, I don't think, you know, like the Moose play the same system. The expectations are the same. If anything, he would know the systems better. It should be a hell of a lot easier for a guy going from the American hockey league in the same organization than from an entirely different team. hundred percent. Meet the guys never even played with, you know, and I'm not saying Jeff Malata has a ton of experience playing with the likes of Mark Shifley and company, but um, certainly knows the, knows the systems here is knows the environment. And and again, I uh, like, I will never, and you can't argue that these are in any way, ideal situations. I mean, we're talking about who's hot on the moose to come up and play in the top, you know, arguably the top line on the Winnipeg Jets. It's not a great situation, but it could be in a lot of ways, a silver lining to helping some of these guys develop. Because I think what we've seen this year, you know, compared to every, I'd argue every other season with the Winnipeg Jets is you wouldn't even get the chance. You don't even really know what you had, you know, in the, in, in the, you know, if, Guy came up from the moose. He was maybe getting six minutes and was buried on the fourth line. No one if got that. chances. <laughs> if that. He was a press box guy, and it was like, here you go. You just got a 36-hour NHL check. Now back to the AHL. Like, this is an opportunity for to see what you really have. To get night, you know, like scouts are high on these guys on the moose. Everyone who is in this organization, not equally, you know, are liked, but a lot of these guys are liked by a lot of people and are believed in by a lot of people and don't get the opportunity. So this is really the only thing I can think of that is a benefit here is to give some of these guys opportunities that when they do impress on the moose to have some of that culture that we see brewing with the jets bleed into the moose. And then, then as we talked about, you know, we've talked about this several times in previous weeks is that I think that people coming into the situation, like a Jeff Mallott or, you know, Carson Kuhlman from a different, completely different organization it's a lot, it's a, it's a way softer landing with the big club than I think it's ever been. You know, the level of support you get, the level of uh, player-to-player coaching you get. I think a lot of people in previous years would have been nervous to talk to one of the top-end guys coming to the team and asking for advice. Now I think it's encouraged um, and, and, and being done to a level that, again, we haven't seen in previous years. So 
all those things considered, the reality is, is if the Jets are going to get out of this, they're going to have to be all pulling in the same rope on the same direction. And, you know, all the things we've heard about, all the positive developments we've heard about the culture and the team and, and all that, this is going to be its truest test. This is where it's going, it should bear fruit, is in bringing some of these guys up who, who you know are, you know, are, are grateful for the opportunity and excited, but nervous as heck to get up here and impress, right? Because before it was like you had one shot with a Rick bonus. You look like you had like you can play a little bit freer. Now the Jets again don't have a lot of time to be playing free, especially guys coming up from the A. But at the same time, I think that that the culture with this team has has been a better environment than it's ever been. And we might see, you know, whether the win or lot whether the wins add up here or, or the Jets can get back on track, we might see some great performances from players we've otherwise would have never seen. Well, and, and I think so far, I mean, that has totally been the case with guys that have come up from the moose. And I mean, it's sort of like we're just used to these guys as Jets now because of the injuries and the opportunity that's been provided. But, I mean, I think it's obvious that with the way he's been playing as of late, Jeff Malott is the next man up. But Alex Lamoge as well, who's had a real strong season, I think could certainly be a possibility for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, For a call-up situation, obviously we'll find out what the team is doing tomorrow um, when Rick Bonus speaks before the game against the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, a lot of this is cap-related as well. The longer they can hold off calling people up, the better it is for them. Uh, and I guess with the teams he, both here in Winnipeg, that is a luxury that if they know they've got a healthy roster, they don't necessarily need to do that. But I still think over the course of the next few days, we will see a call up and I certainly expect it to be um, Jeff Mallott. Hammer, before we go, uh, this is our last visit of 2022 on WST. It's been a good one. Any large-scale New Year's resolutions for you that uh, you've been considering before we get to uh, midnight on Friday? You know, I, it's funny you say that because it's a question I've been asking a lot of other people without actually having any of solid answers on my, on my own. However, I see the calendar flip as a very therapeutic thing. You know, I think it's a clean slate. So if you, you might not be happy with where, what direction you're going, or you might not be happy with things, you know, in your personal life or professional life. I just feel like once it, once the calendar turns, it's like everyone gets a, you know, a new slate, a new fresh start. So to me, I think it's just going to be focusing on things that matter the most. Uh, you know, professionally, I certainly have a, a fair amount of goals. I want to do more investigative work. I want to, you know, continue to cover this team, cover the Bombers. Personally, um, you know, I got into meditation a lot over over the over COVID, and it's it's kind of taken on a new life of its own. So I want to continue, you know, that journey and and just um, being good to people. You know, the world is. Is a lot of uh, a lot of crap in this world, and so anything you, anything good you can put into it um, will help balance uh, balance that. So no 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 hardcore goals, but uh, certainly some certainly some themes in mind as we uh, as we get into twenty twenty three here. Well, I'll tell you what, you're uh, one of our faves, man. I always appreciate our chats, great times, and uh, I will look forward to doing it with you. Plenty coming up in twenty twenty three. All the best to you and the fam, my friend. Have a great weekend and uh, enjoy a few days off after such a busy run for you heading into Christmas. Yeah, I definitely will take this uh, this full advantage of this stretch here. Just relax, take it easy. Maybe get out of dodge once or twice. Who knows? But uh, certainly, thanks for having me on, Huss. Always appreciate my hits and uh, love what you guys are doing and what you've grown. Um, the platform you've offered people like me, but also. Uh, you know, people who are to tune in every day and, uh, you know, get an opportunity to share their opinions. As I say, after every interview, it's, you know, they're, they're what makes, uh, 
makes this all work. So certainly a special thing and uh, glad to be a part of it for sure. Hey, the great guests don't, uh, don't hurt at all either. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Thanks a lot, my man. All right, there is Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press with us. Uh, hey, we've got to give a big Happy New Year and shout out to our friends at Princess Auto. Getting into the uh, meat of the curling season, and we'll certainly crank up the Princess Auto curling reports as we get into January. A lot of interesting things happening on the pebble as we get closer to the Briar and closer to the Scotties. The big news over the course of the weekend, and something that I brought up with Ted last week, was the potential of Brad Jacobs being the guy to join Reed Carruthers' team, and that is exactly what has happened. Now, that is for the Grand Slams. Uh, don't believe Brad Jacobs is available or eligible. I'm not sure how that works, but for uh, the Manitoba Championship. So Reed is going to need to find a high-end player to join that team as they uh, look to try to win Manitoba. But, man, Manitoba's tough, especially with the Dunstone rink and what they've done so far this year. We'll be all over it as we get into January. And, of course, Princess Auto, great sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Winnipeg Sports Talk, and Curling, including Team Carruthers and Team Jennifer Jones. And Princess Auto is also the spot where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list. Or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop down and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And of course, heading into the new year, I actually do have a few resolutions. One of them, and we should probably all get to this, is to drink more water. I've not done enough. I'm going to use Ken Weeb, the most hydrated man in the business as my uh, as my role model um but the best way to do that is get hooked up with the great water system from our friends at culligan water they've been the experts at the water game in winnipeg and southern manitoba for over 65 years family owned and they really have everything we need heading into 2023 water softeners filters bottled water coolers whole home systems drinking water systems and citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions whatever you need culligan's there for you pop down and see him at 1200 sergeant avenue 694-5180 on the horn or find out everything they can do for you and your family online at drinkculligan.com and speaking of drinking, I know there'll be a few cocktails tipped on uh, New Year's Eve coming up, heading into 2023. And if you're getting ready to entertain or just want a great whiskey, start off with Canada's famous favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. And of course, you can pick up Canadian Club, official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and WST at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And speaking of you Bomber fans, don't miss that Jim Beam display in the 20 largest Liquor Marts this month. Because when you buy a bottle of Jim Beam, you'll also get a free Winnipeg Blue Bombers collector glass featuring either Zach Caleros, Adam Big Hill, or Nick Dembski. Huge shout out and thanks to the Beam Suntory fam for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk as well. All right. Uh, in about five minutes, we'll open up registration for the Marble Race. So be sure to be paying attention in chat. But right now, just before he calls this afternoon's game against Canada and uh, in their next matchup uh, at the World Junior Hockey Championships, we've got Gord Miller to talk a little World Juniors and, of course, the upcoming game of which he was quite involved in making happen, Team Ukraine and the Bisons coming up on January 9th. So let's bring in Gord right now and uh, 
see what uh, how things are going on in Halifax, Gord. It's been fantastic. It's just you know it's it's weird. Like last night, Czechia was beating Austria nine nothing in the third period. Huge crowd at the game, and they're just cheering on Austria, trying to get them a goal. And the Austrians had like a two on one and a late chance, and the crowd's going crazy. It was the best nine nothing game I've ever seen. I mean, it was just it was amazing. And I think the everywhere you go, people are talking about it. They're embracing it. It's it's here and in Moncton. It's just been fantastic, and it just it just feels, you know, as you said, after a couple of years, it just feels right again, which is great. Well, I'll tell you what, for Jet fans, especially here, our old pal Dennis Bayak doing some games, it felt right yeah. again. It was great to hear that we, uh, of course, you doing your thing and uh, along with Dennis. I have to quickly ask you about Team Canada. I don't think a lot of people are used yeah. to Canada losing early on in the uh, uh, in the first round. I mean, what did you make of uh, Canada's performance and their loss to the Czechs? First time they've ever lost the tournament opener on home ice. First time ever. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, we, we thought Czechia would be pretty good. And, um, you know, Canada got an early jump. I think they maybe, you know, might have bought into the hype about how good they are. And uh, the Czechs played hard. And then, the, you know, get the five-minute major to Zach Dean. Czechs scored twice. Uh, Thomas Suhanek, the goaltender, was excellent. And, um, yeah, the Czechs were full value for that win. And, uh Absolutely, and and so now Canada regroups and uh, and sees where they go from here. But I, I think that you know it's it, it's an example of you know when will beats skill sometimes, and that and the Czech showed a lot of will. The uh, that being said, sometimes it's good to get the wake up call earlier in the tournament as opposed to the semifinal, which has happened before for Canada. What do you think this does for the Canadians moving forward into this afternoon's game? Well, I think it certainly focuses them, right? I think that there's that. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, in the old format, the straight round robin, one loss like that could cost you the gold medal. Now we've seen teams lose twice and win gold. So, um, you know, you certainly try to get better every day. I think they'll try. They'll certainly look at being more disciplined. They'll certainly look at being more, um, let's just say, basic with their approach to things, maybe a little less fancy, and uh, and go from there. Gordon Miller's with us from Halifax, the World Junior Hockey Championship. But actually, the reason why we wanted to get Gord on was to talk about an event coming up January 9th, Canada Life Centre, the Ukrainian National Under-25 team taking on the Manitoba Bisons. And Gord, this is a really interesting story, how this entire thing came together. Um, take us back to late November, if you would, and uh, fill us in on uh, your role and how this, uh, this event and this tour uh, came to be. It, it actually starts in Manitoba around this time last year. Um, so I've done some work. I have friends with the Ukrainian Ice Hockey Federation. Their, 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 their federation president's a good friend. And they, they came through Manitoba last year on a bit of a fact-finding tour. They wanted to learn about grassroots development. They, they talked with Manitoba minor hockey. They talked with the Manitoba Junior League. They wanted to get some ideas on how to develop their programs. And I put them in touch with people that, that could help them with that. Then, of course, you know, the Russian invasion changed everything. And in the summer at the World Junior Hockey Championship in Edmonton, I was talking with one of the senior people from the Ukrainian Federation who pointed out they had qualified for the World University Games in Lake Placid, New York, in January of 23, but thought they wouldn't be able to go. How would you get the team together? Where would they practice? Who would they play against? It, it just seemed logistically impossible, which is a big disappointment because qualifying for that tournament was a big accomplishment for Ukraine. Jay Woodcroft, the coach of the Oilers, was there uh, with Brad Holland, the assistant GM, and we started got talking. What about a tour? What could we do? And, and Jay Woodcroft said, "Well, um, 
Ian Herbers, the head coach of the University of Alberta, used to be an assistant for the Oilers. Let's let's talk to him. So I called Ian. The next week, I'm on a conference call with the Canada West coaches, um, and they're like, "Yeah, we're in." And so we, you know, and those schedules are hard, right? Because university teams have pretty tight schedules, especially during the holidays. And and uh, we uh, we worked through that, and um, you know, and it just kept growing from there. And I, I have to say that um, the University of Manitoba was unbelievable. Um, their head coach talked to the Winnipeg Jets. And then I got a text from Mark Chipman saying, well, what can we do to help? And I said, well, you could push tickets. I don't know, whatever you want. He said, how about our arena? And I said, well, Mark, you know, we can't afford to rent an NHL arena. And he said, no, no, we'll take care of that. He said, uh, don't worry about that. I said, well, Mark, then we had to work on dates and, and came up with January 9th. And I said, well, Mark, how, how are we going to sell you know, an NHL building? Like, that's that's a lot to ask. And he, he kind of laughed and he said, I thought you knew Manitoba's better than that, Gord. And uh, so, yes, you're right. And uh, and so, you know, we got some corporate partners on board. Tim Hortons jumped on right away. Uh, Sobeys, um, Sporting Life, Bell have all jumped on board. Uh, Ticketmaster has waived the concession fee for the tickets. The uh, the Mitchell Family Foundation has made a contribution. Air Canada's giving some, some of the plane tickets. It's been, it's really been remarkable how, the community has rallied around this and not just the, you know, the community of hockey has always been amazing, but the corporate community, uh, the Ukrainian community. So there's going to be a big dinner for the Ukrainian team uh, on January the 6th, I think in, in Winnipeg, because that's, that's Orthodox Christmas. They're having a big Christmas dinner for them. Uh, we've partnered with the Canada Ukraine foundation and the Canadian friends of hockey in Ukraine who are going to receive a lot of the funds from this. It's just been remarkable. And I, the only way to describe it, is I feel like I threw a bunch of Lego blocks on the floor and a bunch of people got together and built a skyscraper out of it. And I just, uh, you know, it's, I'm just the one who has the connections. I'm the one that knows the people to call for, you know, I, like I talked to NHL people how to get buses. You know, uh, Marriott Hotels have been unbelievable. You know, the Delta in Winnipeg has been incredible. Like it's just, it's just astonishing how it's come together. And, and you know, now that the team is on its way, um, getting them out of Ukraine was very difficult. Some of the players were in the military. Um, and so getting them from Kiev to Warsaw when the, the power's been out for most of the last week, the train tracks have been destroyed by, by aerial bombardment. Um, Got to get them through Pearson Airport in Toronto. Um, so, uh, you know, it's just been, uh, it's amazing. I, I think, you know, it's a small thing. This is not, you know, this is going to change the world. But I think in terms of, you know, raising money, uh, raising awareness, and raising the spirits of people, you know, uh, this, these games are going to be televised back in Ukraine. And I think that uh, we're doing a little bit of good here. And that's, that's a nice thing to do for the holidays. Well, and, and you know what? I mean, this um, hits so close to home here in Winnipeg particular, right. but I'll say at Edmonton as well with big, big Ukrainian communities. This opportunity for the uh, Ukrainians to come over, play at a high level, prepare for yeah. this event but also connect with the Ukrainian communities here in Canada, I think will be very impactful for both them as well as so many Ukrainians that are right here in cities like Winnipeg fleeing what's happening on the other yeah. side of the world. And there, there are, to my understanding, more than 1,000 Ukrainian refugees in Winnipeg. There's uh, something like 3,000 in Manitoba, um, all over Alberta and Saskatchewan as well. Uh, the, turn, the, the tour begins at the University of Saskatchewan on Friday. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, 
part of this is uplifting for sure. And I think, you know, part of the narrative is is the resilience and toughness of the Ukrainian people who, have, who are withstanding this and fighting back. But I think we have to remember, too, they're suffering. And, and the suffering in Ukraine is real. And it, and it is widespread. And, and, and aid and help is needed. And, and so that's one of the things we can do is we can raise money and raise awareness to make sure that, you know, medical help and food and, and clothing in a cold winter when the power's out a lot um, is really important. And, and look, I mean, it's, it's really difficult for Ukrainians. You know, when you're on, the, you're on a Zoom call with them and the air raid sirens are going off and some of the people that I'm talking with have their children with them who are huddling in basements and, and kids are doing their school in the metro stations so they could be underground, it, it does hit home. And, and I think there's, there's little things we can do, and, um, and this is one of them. Uh, it's certainly an opportunity for both Canadians and Ukrainians alike to um, come out for a great night of hockey and show their support. And, you know, now that you've mentioned that this is going to be televised back in the Ukraine, I would imagine that Ukrainians and Canadians as well will certainly step up in cities like Winnipeg on January 9th to show their support. I can tell you, I was just before Christmas popped into a little Ukrainian restaurant to grab some pierogies and stuff before, and there's a big display about the game. There's a yeah. mention of that dinner. And, um, you know, considering everything that that community has been through over the last year plus, this is a way to bring people together and show, I think, the spirit of what the Ukrainians have shown as well in what is a, what is a war. Yeah, and and Huzli's going to be at the now the Ukrainians are also going to be uh, the Ukrainian team is going to be at the Jets game on the eighth. Um, the uh, the Jets are going to play host them on the eighth, which is fantastic. The Jets are dedicating the fifty fifty lottery that night to to this cause to the Canada Ukraine Foundation and to save Ukrainian hockey dream. Um, there'll be some merchandise for sale. I think I have a one moment. I just happen to have something nearby here. <laughs> Wonderful. I just happen to I just happen to have. I should have had it closer by. I wasn't prepared, but. Uh, we have some merchandise from Fanatics. Hockey can't stop. Oh, that's awesome. There we go. So that's that'll be for sale at the games and uh, in the Jets stores. That's limited edition merchandise. There's a, a little plug for you, um, but it's going to be great. I think that uh, imagine imagine you know talking to the Ukrainian players over the last couple of months. Imagine where they are and thinking they probably never will get to play in the university games. And then hearing about this tour and, and thinking they're going to be guests at an NHL game in Calgary on New Year's Eve at the Jets game. They're going to play in a National Hockey League arena. If you had told them that in August, they'd have, they'd have thought that was about as likely as flying to the moon. I mean, that, I mean this, 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 this is an experience for them that is just completely out of their frame of reference. And, uh, and I think for them to, to experience it, for the people in Ukraine to be able to watch it on television, and for us to be part of it is uh, is really something. Well, and Gord, you mentioned Hoosley. Um, that's the best anthem in the game, period. Oh, I, I can't. I'm flying in for the game in Winnipeg. Uh, I've got a game in Philadelphia the night before, but I'm hopping on a 6 a.m. flight to, to get to Winnipeg that day. I can't wait. I can't wait. I just, I just, um, I'm so happy that so many people have, have come together on this. Um, got to get their gear to, to Saskatoon. That's the next. <laughs> that's, that's if anyone got some spare skates and sticks we might need them but um but uh you know barring that um uh, it should be fantastic january 9th canada life center the hockey can't stop tour will be here in winnipeg the manitoba bisons mike sarant's club taking on yeah. team and ukraine I, and i'm sorry to interrupt but mike mike sarant has been unbelievable mike mike has been 
just from day one, Mike has been incredible. And I, I, I can't say enough good things about him, the other Canada West coaches. But, uh, but Mike has, has really gone the extra mile to reach out to the Ukrainian community, reach out to the Jets um, to make sure this happens and to adjust his schedule. You know, the game on the ninth isn't ideal for them in terms of timing, but he agreed to play it, and it's just fantastic. Well, and the other thing, I think, you know, outside of all the goodwill and money to be raised, people are going to see just how high a quality the hockey is in youth sports yeah. that they haven't already, yeah. Gord. Yeah, and I think for the Ukrainian team, you know, really important for them, too, to get ready for the university games. I mean, they want they want to play well. Like, you know, they they want to show well. They haven't had a chance, haven't had a chance to play much this season. So, I mean, th- this is a big, a big opportunity for them. Uh, I guess the simplest way to uh, support this is to uh, put some butts in seats, grab tickets. Yeah. All the fees are waived. Ticketmaster for January 9th. And um, in addition to supporting and being at the game, Gord, is there any other way people can help? Sure. You can donate to the Canada Ukraine Foundation. You can donate to Save U- SaveUkrainianHockeyDream.org. Um, you can certainly make sure that you, you know, talk to your local politicians about making sure they support Ukraine and that the that the, gov- the Canadian government continues to support people in Ukraine. And um, yeah, I think that just uh, you know, it's it's great to it's great to put a Ukrainian flag on your social media. It's great to put a flag on your car. All those things. But I think the to step up and actually show our support is great. The tickets aren't that expensive. You know, it's like 15, 20 bucks to go. It'll be a great night um, at Canada Life Center. I look forward to seeing everyone there. Well, Gord, thank you so much for taking the time and your involvement on this. We'll look forward to seeing you January 9th here in Winnipeg. But in the meantime, I know you got to get to the rink. Uh, have a great call this afternoon, and uh, hopefully we'll have a nice result for the Canadians after that uh, misstep in the game number one of the tourney. That's it's a very, very, very festive uh fireplace and tree it's, it's i'm very uh, i feel very festive all of a sudden hey we wanted to make it warm for you gord and uh Appreciate certainly that. uh we're gonna warm my hands by i'm gonna warm my hands by your fire <laughs> doing best have a great call we'll see you in the peg thanks so much for doing this that was good all right great stuff with gord miller and um we are gonna have a ticket giveaway for wst members next week so Shout out to all you members. We'll send something out for that <clears throat> after the weekend as we get into the new year. But needless to say, I mean, this is uh, a game that I think will be a really, really fun event um, and certainly worthwhile supporting if you are able. So um, get to Ticketmaster and uh, hopefully we'll see you there on January the 9th. Marbles registration open, exclamation mark marbles. We had a little bit of a gremlin with one of the bots we're using. We've got a working bot now, though, so we should be good. But uh, if you just want to make sure if you did it right at the start and maybe took off for a few minutes, do it again. We'll close that up in just a second. Hey, i got to give a big thanks to the Nick and Nikki DQ group. I practiced what I preached, folks. I said that a DQ ice cream cake would be a great addition to a Christmas dinner and uh, got one from Nick and Nikki for the family Christmas feast. And it, of course, was a big hit. What I didn't know is they now have blizzard cakes as well. I was very intrigued as to what those blizzard cakes are. Check them out at one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And the best part about going to pick it up was the fact that I got to jump on the uh, bacon two cheese stack burger, which I think is one of my top favorite burgers in the entire fast food game. Four locations for Nick and Nicky. DQ Neverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park and DQ St. Anne's. And if you do want to get one custom made for an upcoming event, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. And hey, with New Year's Eve coming up this weekend, Jets taking on the Oilers. Great day to celebrate going into the new year. And 
if you're going to be including beer with your celebrations, make sure you do it up and get the best. The best in local beer, our favorite little brown jug. Of course, the 1919 is really where you want to start with, the uh, iconic flagship brand. Uh, but man, they've got some incredible beers right now for the winter time, including that new Good Times variety pack, which is available throughout the city at fine beer stores. But the best place to go is down in the exchange, William Avenue, the brewery and tap room. Try them all yourself. Check out the great merchandise and take away your favorites. Little Brown Jug also delivering citywide. Check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca. Uh, I see, geez, we're 20 away from 200 thumbs up, folks. If you're in the marble race, obviously you got to be subscribed. So hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. But do us a favor. Let's get those uh, likes up to 200 by the time we drop the marbles. Um, let's get to the cool bet lines here before we start, uh, we start talking marbles. Five games in the NHL tonight. Habs at Lightning, not surprising. Tampa's a massive minus 356 favorite. Interesting game, Boston and the Devils. Uh, to me, Boston is the measuring stick for the rest of the league. Jets saw that last week heading into Christmas. They're minus 115, pretty short number for a team that's been so good this year. I like Boston in New Jersey at minus 115. I think we'll be putting that up for the cool bet daily pick. Uh, I've got Pittsburgh minus 204 hosting the Detroit Red Wings at plus 171. Vegas and Anaheim. Vegas is a minus 177 favor on the road against the Ducks. And the Calgary Flames and Seattle Kraken going at it tonight. Calgary, of course, 2-1 losers last night to the Edmonton Oilers, but put 47 shots on net. Wouldn't it all be surprised if they bounce back tonight? We'll probably get a little piece of Calgary as well tonight at minus 111. And as far as the World Juniors goes, a couple more games. USA and Slovakia dropping the puck in just a couple minutes. The States, a three-and-a-half goal favorite when we're talking the spread. Minus 130 for them to win by four. And Canada, despite their opening loss to Czechia, massive favorites. Five-and-a-half goals is the number for Canada to beat Germany. Uh, of course, all of the matchups are there. And uh, after the games finish up tonight, you'll also get new totals on the outrights for the event, which I'm sure the Canada number probably got a little bit better. They were a clear-cut favorite. And then, of course, lost game number one of the tournament. But uh, Remo, as we talked about with Poulian, with Gord, still lots of track for Canada, but uh, I imagine they'll want to be a much better, much more complete performance today against the Germans. Making sure they can execute that Michigan for tonight's game. You can't have that many missed opportunities. Uh, all jokes aside, seems like they have to play more of a team game. You know, believing that, hey, you're not just going to go out there and win, Hustler. You actually have to play uh, the game and play a team effort. And also, I think you'd like to get a, maybe an extra save uh, from your goalie. But, um, you know, I don't think your outlook for Canada has changed. But, you know, I think you said this either to Gord or Dave, but maybe it is a good thing to get that wake-up call early on in the tournament, so you're not figuring out, like, at the semifinals or something, or a first game of the uh, post, you know, round robin. No, so. absolutely. And I know a lot of people wondering, where's the annual game against the Americans on New Year's Eve? They're not in the same pool this year. And that's done by the IIHF. So uh, it'll be Canada and Sweden coming up. But first things first, beat the Germans, get back on track today. The puck drops. Gord Miller will have that call 5.30 today. 
um, on TSN coast to coast. Couple bowl games as well. Arkansas two and a half point favorites against Kansas in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl starting at four thirty, and tonight North Carolina and Oregon. The Ducks a big. 13 and a half point favorite. Oh, we got Mississippi and Texas Tech tonight as well in the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Mississippi, three and a half point favorites against Texas Tech. If you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. And stay tuned to my Twitter lock shoppers who are looking for the picks. Of course, Dusty's doing a great job calling the Spengler out in uh, Switzerland right now. So I'll try and get his picks, and I'll drop something online. Potentially might do a live show on the CoolBet social channels tomorrow. Uh, but anyways, I'll tweet that out as well, at LockShopBets. Make sure you're checking that out. And check out the YouTube channel, LockShopBets, as well. Make sure you're subscribed there. If you're one of our first 1,000 subscribers, you'll be in a raffle to win one thousand dollars cold hard cash um all right rim uh well we've got a couple more marble races to do before the big one on friday for the bomber 2023 season tickets courtesy of consolidated supply yeah we got a lot of entries in here right now i got 167 so a little less i think between the holidays uh, not as many people watching people you know people off i get it also you know after a jets loss we know we see we see how the numbers numbers look. Yeah. But shout out to everyone who is here, uh, saying hi. Uh, nice to see so many names in chat and people uh, hitting that thumbs up and helping us grow on YouTube. But you know, people are asking how many people are in the draw so far. I got thirty-seven names right now from all our all our races. Yeah, and we're gonna add three from the um, we're gonna add three. From the sign up on the website, winnipegsports.com slash marbles. Yep. And we'll add three more today and three more tomorrow. Um, so we'll be in and around 45, 46 marbles. It'll be less than 50 uh, when we drop them coming up on Friday afternoon. By the way, Mike Rogers, Bruce H, Walk with Vince, mm-hmm. who are our winners on the 22nd. Yeah, they, they emailed me. I, I think I just didn't put them in, but who was oh, it? Oh, okay. But Brad Woods, Brad Kerbison, yeah, I don't know if I heard from them Friday. And Jeff Bowes actually finished fourth because Bruce H. finished in the top three for the second time. So I do owe him a Nicely t-shirt. Done. Nicely done. Okay, so Brad Woods, Jeff Bowes, Brad Kerbison, send us an email, Talk at gmail.com. We'll get that set up and uh, make sure you are in for Friday afternoon. Uh, all right, close it up. Where are we going today? Uh, let me get it all settled in. So we got 174 names now. That's, that's nice. Pretty still solid. pretty big. Still pretty big. Doug Phil, the Sal's nipple. I would go. I would love the Sal's nipple. That would be a great, great event. That should be like a. I don't know. Maybe something to do with U of M. In the uh, in the U sports season, I don't really have big bowl games. Just like the U Tech Bowl. And of course, the Banjo Bowl here would be... Sal's would be a good sponsor for that, too. I went to Sal's yesterday. I had a cheese nip. It was absolutely glorious, not going to lie. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, and by the way, Remo rocking one of those new WST hats. I see Royal popping in. You can get those at Royal Sports when you pop in for all those great Boxing Day deals on right now. Um, or if you're out of town, 
can always check out our website. We've got a few up there as well, winnipegsports.com, and there you are. I uh, saw one, uh, the uh, the new Bomber version, like the WST one at the game yesterday. Always great seeing those pop out. That is a very popular, popular style. Uh, we may have to do a little bit more on that in the future right now. But uh, all the logo hats and the new WST wordmark hat in the Bomber uh, colors available right now at Royal Sports. Get them before they're gone. Um, all right, so... Uh, we're about to drop some marbles, folks. Um, here we go. Uh, I guess we need to uh, get a little. Which uh, which which theme are we going to use today from uh, from Tristan Remus? Uh, I got to pick. Yeah, we didn't get a new one. Um, hold on. Well, we told him it was really just going until Friday. We added yeah, I don't a couple we, extras. I but... wasn't expecting expecting more. Uh, here, let me get the all these names then. Sorry, someone's DMing me during the show. I. I put out on Twitter, Hus, the picture of those high sticks against the Jets. People get fired up, and one guy's like to me, they miss calls all the time. Have you uh, ever seen a hockey game before? And it's like, this is actually my first game. So okay. And, yeah. like, again, I know miss calls happen, but it's like when it's so obvious that a guy's bleeding, like, come on. Or a guy's stick is under a visor. Like, these are easy to see. Yeah, Any, no, listen, anyways, both of I'll, them were I'll both of them up. were a bit of a joke. Yeah, don't get distracted by DMs from randos online. Let's lock it in for marbles. Another yeah. qualifying race for the Tournament of Champions. Um 245 Friday or thereabouts. We'll finish up with Hacksaw. Hacksaw will be our final guest of 2022 and then our final act will be to drop the marbles. We'll figure out. We, the big question is, what course are we going to use for the championship race? We talked about the funnel. Talked about a couple of them so far. By the way, thanks to everyone for uh, getting us to 200 likes for today's show. Very cool of you. Much appreciated. And yeah, a little bit quieter today, but still a good turnout, despite uh, a lot of people being away, doing other fun things for holidays. But where else would we rather be here than hanging out with you? talking about the Jets and everything else in and around Winnipeg sports. Um, just while Remus gets this ready, couple bit of uh, some NFL news coming out today. Derek Carr, no longer the starting quarterback for the Raiders. I'm not sure if they're hanging this on Carr, but Jared Stidham is going to start the last couple of games for the Raiders. Maybe they're just looking for a better draft pick. I'm not sure. Uh, and of course, if you missed... That hideous performance by the Broncos on Christmas Day, it finally cost Nate Hackett his job. He does not complete one full season as a head coach in the NFL, is out at a 4-11. and 11. Russell Wilson, I mean, I said this before the last couple of months that this was now in the mix for the worst trade of all time. Can we just say now it is the worst trade of all time? I think this is actually worse than the Herschel Walker trade from the Vikes and the Cowboys way back when. Uh, an absolute mess, and that was just an embarrassment, getting a 50-burger dropped on you by Baker Mayfield and what's left of the Los Angeles Rams on Christmas Day. And then, of course, there's Tom Brady. Congratulations to Brady, who managed to outduel Cardinals third stringer Trace McSorley in overtime to maintain a very slim one-game lead Still at under 500 
in the NFC South. The NFC South, the best argument for relegation in the NFL, or maybe a change at least to the playoff system. Um, all right, Remo, uh, what's the word? Got 180 marbles in. Beautiful. Um, so I'm going to play the theme song, and then we can pick the track. Let's do it. Tristan Rivers music on deck before we drop the marbles. It's People in for another Marbles qualifier. Again, Consolidated Supply has given us a pair of Bomber Season tickets. We'll be giving those out to the winner of the championship race on Friday. Today, though, the top three Marbles will make it in and have a Marble in the big championship race. Again, if you haven't qualified already, definitely go to the website, winnipegsportstalk.com slash marbles. You'll have a chance to get one of three spots in the race. We'll let you know about those tomorrow on the program. Uh, but right now let's get into it. Remo, what are we, uh, what are we thinking today? Uh, I was going to do coils of power again, or what do we want to do? Uh, was there one that we really liked that was solid or should we go back to factory what or what do we, I don't know what you were, what you're thinking here. I'm just kind of looking at some of these ones that we haven't seen. Uh, what about the, uh, what's Vaz Lab? Yeah, see that? See, I don't know if we've ever made it that far, that far down. Yeah. I don't mind picking out new one. What about the Marbles Diner? Sure. Marbles Diner? We can take a look. Yeah, that one's a cool. We've never done that one before. We'll do a quick look and just make sure that it's not. Grab a bite to eat in the diner. You may even see a familiar face. Marbles on stream. Well, I can't see what it looks like, but. Uh, you know what? Listen, it's, uh, it's fair for everyone. This is the Marbles Diner. We've never done this one before. Again, our second last qualifying race. The last call to get in will be tomorrow at this very time. So don't miss it. Uh, but anyways, a new track today, the Marbles Diner. Let's do it on WSD. Oh, it's all black. Are we good Here with we this? Here we go. A large Plinko, a large Plinko style. Grand. Coming down. Goody Gravy. Chucker looking good. Chris Vermette with a nice start. Gregory Liverpool. Goody Gravy back in front right now. Merrily Gural and Christopher Met looking pretty good so far. Here we are heading into the diner. We have never done this one before. 
It's looking pretty good. All right. Lots of people getting boosted up by something to do in the diner. We're cruising by. Uh, Goody Gravy, Kitty Pup, and Paul Carr. I'm not sure if Paul Carr has qualified yet, but he has been in the mix so many times so far. Um, Kitty Pup, Paul Carr, and Goody Gravy seemingly with a nice comfortable lead right now but there still is plenty of uh plenty of racetrack left we don't seem to be getting to very big speeds right now either everyone's kind of been slowed up but right now just these three have sort of separated themselves from the rest of the pack uh all right you know we've got some uh we've got some backup here todd for tanny net jack todd and paul are buddies that actually would be hilarious Whoa. if paul came in and What's going on here? See how they're going down that funnel? They're hitting some yeah, explosion. It, yeah, you, you hit this thing and then it bounces you into, into this other funnel right now. So goody gravy. Oh, Gregory Liverpool just got thrown over the top rope. GFL. You have been eliminated, my friend. Uh, Kitty Pup and Paul Carr still in second and third but not seemingly making too much uh too much noise right here they're almost stopped and now we've got chris vermette making a push now we've got another oh oh travis spratt winnipeg man a number of people just getting bounced right now goody gravy trying to make things happen paul carr is very very close you can see the end right now no one has been able to get through sean clark has done it Sean Clark, the Polish pumper, Manny Fran, Goody Gravy, Paul Carr. Now, I do believe the Polish pumper has already qualified, Remo. Yes, that's correct. So that would mean Goody Gravy would be in right now. And Paul Carr, man, you are so close every time. That is uh, that is tough. Manny Fran hasn't qualified yet, though, right? Correct. And Sean Clark has not qualified yet. That's accurate. All right. Well, that um, that hamster wheel really uh, knocked a bunch of people up. It looks like we're going to have a three-way, but Sean Clark really uh, came out of nowhere and navigated through it. Yeah, the funny thing was that Goody Gravy was in first the whole time. Paul Carr was there, and I can't remember who else, and none of them finished technically in the top three. That being said, Goody Gravy, good news. You are in it. Uh, because we said that if we had a previous qualifier get in the top three, we'd go to the next one. So there you go. Sean Clark, send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com with your contact information. Manny Fran, same thing, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com and Goody Gravy. Get us your details and make sure to join us on Friday afternoon right around this time for the big final race of the Marbles Tournament of Champions for December 22, brought to you by Consolidated Supply. Um, right back at it tomorrow, Reem. And again, we'll try and pack a bunch of the regulars in over the next couple days um, to uh, to get in one more visit before the end of 2022. And of course, a big one tomorrow night is the Jets look to break this losing streak with the surging Vancouver Canucks in town. Yeah, I'm really curious about what's going on with the Vancouver because we saw the Jets absolutely pump them uh earlier this month like embarrassed them on home ice on a hockey night in canada and they were on a bit of a slide but they've come back they had that huge comeback with Pedersen at five points 
another win yesterday. There is some offensive talent on this team. I think they got pretty much the same record uh, this time of year than they do last time of year. But I think long-term, the outlook for this team is not good, and I don't think they have much of a, a plan, and I'm curious to see what happens with Bo Horvat, who's a UFA. Um, so I think there are a lot of questions about the Vancouver Canucks, and I think this is a game the Jets can certainly win, even though they have so many injuries. Yeah, uh, you know what? They handled Vancouver pretty easily a couple weekends ago. Now it's time to uh, to do it at home. Facing their uh, first three, or in the midst of their first three-game losing streak of the year. We'll be all over tomorrow. We'll maybe reach out to someone in Vancouver for a little bit more on the visitors as well. Um, but make sure to join us tomorrow. And of course, be, first, be sure to join us at the end of the program as well for the last chance to qualify for the Marbles' final race Friday in the Tournament of Champions. Big thanks to Gord Miller. He'll be in the booth coming up in a couple hours calling Canada, Germany at the World Junior Hockey Championships, Dave Poulin and Jeff Hamilton, and all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Folks, have a great night. Enjoy the warm-up around here. Maybe get outside a bit after how brutal it's been for the last week. Um, but whatever you do, make sure you're back with us tomorrow, 1 p.m., for a game day edition a Winnipeg sports talk before the Jets and Vancouver Canucks tomorrow night at Canada Life Center. Thanks for being with us and have a great night. Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.